0: Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97-5 and twelve eighty. the zone. Well, what a disappointing night of sports that was, huh? The Utah Jazz fall to the Lakers. The NFL playoff game is a blowout. The Rams just rout the Cardinals. Once that pick six was thrown, you knew it was over. 21-0. Kyler Murray just throwing a ball up for grabs. Granted, it was going to be 16-0, and they were probably going to lose the game anyway. But since the Niners had just erased a 17-0 lead against that Rams team in that stadium last week, I probably wouldn't, have, probably wouldn't have completely thought the deal was sealed. But with the pick six, I thought the deal was sealed. It was over. So, five home teams advance. The Niners go in and beat Dallas, although now Garoppolo is hurt. So, man, Green Bay. Don't, don't blow this Green Bay. This is your chance. There are all kinds of skill players down in Tampa. The Niners quarterback is down. This thing is just like Green Bay's path to the Super Bowl is right there. All right, we'll talk more about the NFL coming up. Uh, The Utah Jazz lose. They cannot shoot the three-pointer. Cannot make it. Now, the Nuggets, the Jazz, and the Lakers played three games in three nights. Everybody went one and one, and the rest of the team always won. That's not surprising. Now. The one thing you can say is perhaps the best team should have gone 2-0 and and the worst team should have gone 0-2. And that would have happened if the Jazz had beaten the Lakers. And the Jazz led going into the fourth quarter. And it was still the Jazz were only down by two with about four minutes to go. But Donovan Mitchell doesn't score in the fourth quarter. When your closer doesn't score, you're probably going to lose. Mitchell and Rudy Gay and Jordan Clarkson and Bogey were a combined one for 26 from three. Now, the Jazz weren't completely useless from three. Conley made his threes. Joe Ingles made his threes. Uh, Royce O'Neill also shot the ball well from three. So the Jazz weren't completely inept from the three-point line, but they were mostly inept from the three-point line. Live by the three, die by the three. And the Lakers are not a good defensive team, but they crowded the lane, they made him shoot the three, and they couldn't buy it. Jazz shoot twenty-six percent from three. Now the three guys I mentioned, Ingalls and O'Neill and Conley, you know, they they were pretty solid. They were eleven of twenty. That's fifty-five percent. But the other guys just couldn't get anything to go. So the Jazz get beat. Now they come home to face Houston. We're gonna take a break right now. When we come back, the best of the postgame show, you'll hear what went wrong in LA. Stay with us. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 the zone. The Utah Jazz lose to the Lakers on the back end of a back to back. For the Lakers, well, that's a good win because they had just gotten humiliated by the Nuggets by 37. For the Jazz, really disappointing they couldn't sweep this back to back because Phoenix just finds a way to get stuff done. Booker goes for 48 last night and they get another win. And now the Jazz are five and a half games behind the Suns. All right, here's the best of the post game show on 97.5 and 1280 The
1: Zone. your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Jazz fall last night to the Lakers, 101-95. Tough offensive performance uh, from the Jazz. Shot just 37%. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Yeh, and Jordan Clarkson went 1 of 26 from 3. The Jazz struggled to put it in the basket. Uh, LeBron James had 25-7-7 and 7 in the win for the Lakers. Mike Conley had 20 points on 6 of 12, shooting 5 of 9 from 3 to Lead the way for the Jazz. Let's jump into the post-game sound. Let's start off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder.
2: Hugh, obviously, a tough shooting night for you guys. Was it one of those nights that you liked the shots you got, and they just weren't going in, or, or were there things that you could have done better on the offensive end?
3: Um, you know, I thought we had we had too many really tough shots. Whether they were late clock, um, you know, where I would have liked to see us. You know, I think some of the shots we had you know, are makeable. Um, but we made it harder on ourselves, I think, than, than it needed to be as far as, you know, making better reads and moving the ball quicker, um, you know, and generating, you know, some better shots. Uh, and I think that showed, you know, obviously, um, you know, the, the defense has been something that, you know, we've really focused on and worked on and, um, had an emphasis and I, I thought we really defended, particularly in the first half, um, you know, where, you know, I thought it kept us, it kept us right there in the game. And then the third quarter, obviously we, you know, we had a, had, had some good possessions and made a run and kept keep kept guarding. But, um, you know, we've been, you know, we've been good offensively and there's a reason we've been good. And, um, you know, I think this is one we'll see the film and, and see how we can be better. Tony
4: Jones,
3: um, what was the what was the, the tipping point for you guys on the last nine
5: minutes when the Lakers made that deciding run?
3: Well, they ran the small small action. Um, we got cross matched in transition where a couple times, you know, JC ended up on LeBron, and that's just you know us not being urgent enough to try to get matched up when we can. And um, you know, Rudy was guarding Johnson and. You know, trying to get out and hedge and get under, we got hung up, um, and then when we did execute it right, uh, you know Johnson had the ball and made a really tough finish. You know, over Rudy, that that's a play that usually is, you know, we're in a pretty good position at that point, but. You know, I thought, you know, when you're not scoring during that stretch, what we scored 17 in the fourth quarter, that that makes it hard too, because you're just continually fending it off. But, you know, I, I thought we we hung in there and in, in spite of that, um, but you know, weren't able to, uh, you know, to get a push on the offensive end and, and put more pressure on them by by making some shots and scoring the basketball. Andy Larson.
4: Two questions for you, Quinn. First, just kind of on those offensive rebounds, did you see kind of where they came from or kind of what your team, what you hoped your team would do better?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, when we're involved in in help situations, in in isolation, um, a lot of times that'll take people out of position to rebound and you've really got to have an urgency to find a body. You know, I think some of them that got tipped, you know, that, that was kind of what I was referring to in the first half. I don't know what um, the offensive rebound totals were in the first half, but I thought we did a good job, you know, getting on the glass. But pretty when Rudy's coming over to help and contest shots, um, you know, that's when we need to really dig in on the glass and, and come up with some of those. And, you know, when you do that, sometimes, you know, they turn into buckets the other way. And we had some looks on the other end, that, um, that were good. You know, I thought we had some that we, we took some tougher shots than we want to, um, but if we can come up with those rebounds and close possessions, you know, it gives us a chance to generate offense in transition.
4: And then my second question is on a night when Jordan is struggling like that, not only shooting, but kind of another aspect of the game, do you give any thought to putting in Mike Conley earlier or, or making some sort of other change there?
3: Well, we, we, we've played, you know, we put Mike in a little earlier than typically we do. Um, Jordan got hung up in a couple of situations defensively. Um, you know, that the, like I said, where he was cross matched because he was the one that picked up the ball, which, you know, is good. Um You know, but I I think with Mike's situation, you know, this is a back-to-back. We've been conscious of his minutes in those situations. So um, I don't think we're hanging on, you know, any one guy or a substitution. There's always room for that. Um, We had a lot of guys tonight that um, on the offensive end could have been more efficient. Um, And again, like I said, I thought collectively we defended pretty well. So um, there's always – You know, you're always going through whether you want to keep a guy in take him out, you know, and what that math is, um, you know, but in this case, particularly given where Mike's been, we've been pretty committed to keeping his minutes, you know, at a certain level, um, you know, for all the reasons that you guys know, know, his endurance and his health and and whatnot. And, you know, that's tough because Mike was having a good night. We're aware of that. There's Jazz
1: head coach Quinn Snyder. Let's get to the players now. Uh, start things off with Rudy Gobert.
2: Rudy, you guys had that uh, great third quarter to kind of surge ahead, and then things seemed to kind of fall apart in the fourth as, as the game progressed. Kind of what was what was the difference? What went wrong in the fourth quarter?
6: I think we we just uh, we just got a little disconnected. You know, I started offensively, and and then I think uh, we had. For the most part of the game, I thought we played really good defense. You know, we just had a one stretch when uh, uh, we're giving up offensive rebounds and, and we're giving up back doors and I, I didn't box out my man. Uh, we, we just had a bad stretch defensively. But for the most part, I thought we, we were solid. And offensively, there's just a stretch when we stopped moving the ball and, and you know, we, we had a few bad shots, a few turnovers, and, and then they were about to, to run on us and, and get the momentum.
1: Sarah Todd?
4: So, Rudy, it seems like you guys never really got into an offensive rhythm but it was kind of start and stop anytime you guys actually got a few things going what, what were the problems that you saw out there offensively
6: like I said you know I, I just think we I thought in the third we we're doing a great job you know moving the ball running sharing the ball and and then we had just one stretch uh, you know when we that stopped you know we are just forcing a little bit um not finding each other, you know, and then and, and making it harder on ourselves. And when we did that, you know, obviously uh, we can complain about a lot of things, but but external for sure. But but at the end of the day, we can control and We can be better, and then just uh, yeah, just just, just be better, uh, moving the ball. We we uh, we're gonna watch film and see what we can do better. But uh, I like the way we play defense for the most part of the game. Andy Larson.
4: Rudy, what happened on the Russell Westbrook dunk? And can I ask what y'all, what did he say to you afterwards?
6: Um, uh, I don't think he said anything to me. <laughs> I think he likes to, he talks to himself a lot. But but um, I watch it. It, 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 was, it was a nice dunk. It was a nice dunk. I just I just felt like I couldn't jump because he had his hand on my on my shoulder. But you know they're not they're not going to call that. They, they're going to let the big man uh take what he deserves and and. Uh, and the fans uh, enjoyed a a nice dunk. So it was a nice dunk.
2: Eric, go ahead. Rudy, as you mentioned, it it seemed like overall the defense was a lot better for the most part uh, tonight. It did seem like they had a little bit of success late in the fourth quarter with the the small, small pick and roll. Um, Where do you see, what what are kind of the challenges of defending that? Where do you see room for improvement in terms of matching up against that?
6: I think our communication uh, communication can be a lot better. You know, I, I think we got to, even on a back-to-back, even when we're a little tired, we got to, uh, it doesn't take much energy to talk, and we need to, to really uh, keep getting better at that and make it a habit. And uh, and then, yeah, just, you know, there's, there's always going to be a few bad stretches. We're all going to make mistakes at some point, but let's make sure that those... those um, when that happens, we're able to quickly uh, react and, and make sure it doesn't happen twice in a row, you know. And, and tonight, I think we got a stretch when uh, we all kind of made a mistake one by one, you know, uh, one after the other, and, and they were able to get back in the game during that stretch. So uh, just got to keep, you know, keep getting better, keep keep communicating, and we'll be all right.
1: There's Rudy at 19 and 16 in the loss. Let's now go to Mike Conley.
2: Hey, Mike, so you guys put together a really good run in the third quarter and then the wheels kind of came off in the fourth. What was uh, kind of the difference as, as the game progressed down the stretch?
7: Um, well, I think that, you know, we had a stretch there where we made the game a lot tougher than we needed needed to be. Uh, when we were playing our best basketball, uh, offensively the ball was moving. Um, guys were touching it and just spinning it around the horn and making plays, but... Our defense was was pretty solid throughout the the whole evening, except for the the stretch with Stanley Johnson and and how he got going there and um, in that small small pick and roll area. So, um, I thought we we did a lot of good things, um, just not enough against a team that obviously was hungry hungry for a win and you know made the plays at the end of the game.
6: Sarah Todd.
4: Mike, is there anything that you can say about the offensive rebounding in the fourth quarter, and maybe why there was such a big discrepancy there?
7: Um, I think a lot of it has, you know, with with the personnel they have, and with LeBron and the attention that he um, he draws, we we had to get into a lot of different rotations and a lot of different guys cutting, a lot of guys just being active on the weak side, um, kind of causes us to be in, 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 you know, different, different uh, mismatches, whether our little, our guards are on bigger guys or, um, you know, vice versa, just, just, we end end up up in bad situations sometimes, but, um, you know, we, we still have to communicate through those situations. um, But that's what they're good at is, you know, off ball movement with, with LeBron having the ball and and being able to pick you apart and, you know, kind of have you man down situations and causing you to be late on, on, you know, the, the, the offensive boards.
6: Right, Eric.
2: Mike, are all those things that you just mentioned kind of, are, are those inherent in the difficulties of, of you guys kind of figuring out how to defend those, those small, small matchups?
7: Well, yeah, that's all, that's all, you know, a part of it, you know, with the small, small stuff, it's, it's, uh, it's been tough for us all year and, um, it's been you know, one of the areas we've always you know had to try to work on and, and games like tonight, it was obvious that, um, we had some issues there, but, you know, with the, the, you know, the, the, the personnel for the other team really dictates, you know, our rotations dictates how aggressive we are, how much we're out on the floor, how, how pushed out we are on the floor, which causes, you know, guys to be out of position and long rebounds and different things like that can happen. So, um, all things we we still can 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 improve at you know it's not the end of the world we know we can get better at it um but games like tonight is you know uh, it was obviously evident mike conley
1: 20 points four assists in the loss for the jazz let's wrap things up now with donovan mitchell
2: hey don so you guys had a pretty great stretch in the third quarter where you kind of took control and then um weren't really able to continue that into the fourth what was kind of the difference as the game went along
8: You know, we, we, we competed defensively. You know, I think the biggest thing is um, they missed some shots. offense got a little stagnant, but, you know, they they kind of got on the run. Stanley Johnson kind of got going late. I think that's what uh, ended up changing the game.
9: Andy
4: Larson. You mentioned the missed shots. Were you happy with the shots you were getting, or do you think the shot selection could have been
8: uh, better? There, there are a few that could have been better. For myself personally, I think there are a few that could have been better. Um You know, I think there's just certain instances where the game gets harder, you know, when you play a team that's, you know, as aggressive as they are. Um, So, shot collect, a few shots could have been better. Uh, But overall, you know, as far as the threes, uh, I'm okay with most of them, or pretty much all of them. Uh, But could have been a little better.
6: Sure, Todd.
4: Donovan, it seemed like you guys it was kind of start and stop to getting some kind of a rhythm for the offense up until that third quarter. What what changed to get into that rhythm and then what kind of fell off because it started to get stagnant again in the fourth?
8: Um I don't know, I don't really have an answer for why it got stagnant. I think, you know, it's just kind of a feel thing and you know, you would like to say, Oh, it's we're half more than halfway through, we should have a feel by now. But you know, there's there's times like this where you just you gotta, you gotta go through this to, to to elevate. You know what I mean. I think this is just one of those instances we'll look back on and say, okay, we watched the film. You know, what did we do wrong? How do we get it better? You know, I th- how do we become better in those in, in those instances? And I think um, shot selection was huge, but you know, driving spacing, you know, driving, you know, finding guys. I think a lot of that plays into it for sure. Had Andy.
4: Uh, I also wanted to ask, you know, the, they played small with LeBron at, at the five for a lot of that game, and, and or especially at the end. And kind of how did you think you guys did against that look? And, and what do you guys really need to focus on to really kind of win those minutes?
8: Um, again, I, I won't say everything. Like right? I won't harp on it too much because you know, I don't know the last time me Boyan and JC missed all Of our threes, you know, so we make a few of them and changes the game. You know, credit to them for being aggressive on their blacks, you know, kind of clogging the paint. And fortunately, we missed, unfortunately, we missed a few, we missed some shots. You know, I, I think, you know, like I said, if we make a few, the game may change, but you can't always rely on making shots. I can't say defensively, we had, you know, too many lapses that, you know, cost us the game. They, they, they hit some shots as well, but, you know, continuing to move the ball, like I said, like I told Sarah, just finding ways to. To elevate our offense, it got stagnant tonight. It, it definitely did, and you know we guys got to look at the film and just and be better.
1: There's Donovan. Struggled shooting the ball. 13 points on 6 of 19 shooting. Did have 8 boards and 7 assists. Next up for the Jazz, they take on the Rockets. Coming up uh, here at Vivint Arena tomorrow night. Tip-off will be at 7. Pregame starts at 6. But coming up next,
0: more DJ and PK here on 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. There's the best of the post-game show. We'll take a break. When we come back, the Pac-12 commissioner, George Kleovkov, with PK and I. He joined us right at the end of the show on Friday. If you missed it, if you didn't get it, wherever you get podcasts. If you miss any part of the show, you can podcast the whole show. Or you can podcast individual sh- segments, You know, interviews you want to catch and all that. Wherever you get podcasts, uh, it doesn't matter. Go get it. Google Play, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you want. Go go get it. But we'll play George Klyavkov. You'll hear him next on the playoff, on uh, recruiting, on how much of this turnaround that the pac desperately needs is on the commissioner's office, how much is on schools, George Klyavkov, Pac-12 Commissioner, next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are joined right now by the Pac-12 Commissioner, George Klyavkov. Commissioner, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us.
10: Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on.
0: You've done a lot of these interviews. you talked to a lot of people. You came through town and did a, uh, a tour and met with a lot of media up at the University of Utah when you're here. You've done that in other towns. So a lot of these questions go towards, you know, what's wrong with the Pac-12, and how can it be fixed, and how can the reputation be upgraded? And before we get into all of that, and we will, I'm curious how much of what has gone wrong, what needs to be fixed— can be done by the Pac-12 commissioner and the conference office? And what percentage is on the schools? Because obviously the TV contract matters, and that's not something a coach can control. But obviously hiring good coaches, assistant coaches, and, and bringing in talented recruits is not on the conference office. So what is the, the balance here? How much of this is on your plate?
10: Yeah, listen, I think it's, it's probably 80-20, probably 80% of the, uh, the decisions that lead to football success. Uh, happen on the campus and not at the conference, but the 20% is an important 20%. Right, we we have to be better about providing a better platform when we renegotiated our media rights, and and that's related to revenue. It's related to distribution. It's related to competitive advantage. Deciding who gets to play at what time of the day for you know for highlighting for AP voters uh, and CFP voters on the East Coast. So we, we have a lot of work to do, but uh, the, the, the larger input to football success comes on the campus for sure.
5: Commissioner, at least publicly, there seems to be a reluctance to want to come up with a format to expand the playoff. How much of that do you think is self-serving in terms of the conferences looking out for themselves and aren't really interested in going beyond what's best for them individually?
10: I think everybody's trying to balance what's right for themselves and their conference with what's uh, right for college athletics and college football, and it's a difficult balancing act. And I think, you know, in the past, uh, folks have had the opportunity to kind of work through these issues in private and, you know, make the kind of accommodations for each other that are required to get to a yes. And I think the mistake that we made in this process was – we announced in June, you know, the month before I started, a uh, proposal that came out of a subcommittee, which were four of the 11 members that have to say yes to change the format within the current term. And it was announced the same day that the other seven got to see it for the first time. And I think in the past, what has happened is all of these really difficult discussions that have been going through the last seven months have happened privately, not in the press. <laughs> and, and then once you come to a solution, you announce it, and everybody is delighted. I think we've missed that, the fans' expectations back in June, but this is a process that I uh, that has happened from what I has been shared with me by the other commissioners every single time we've done this, right? There's a negotiation. You get to the right answer. It takes time. Uh, this time we just happen to be doing it in the press, which I think is, is, a, is a bad idea, and I hope we don't do it again.
0: Certainly an expanded playoff would bring in more money. Nobody doubts that, and that alone will probably ensure that it happens one day sooner, not later. But the whole competitive aspect of college football, I don't know that that changes, and I don't know that leagues' reputations change. Alabama and Georgia won semifinal games in blowouts, and most of the playoff semifinals, since we went to a 14 team tournament here, have been blowouts. So putting in... Teams 5 through 12 seems to say, well, we're going to have some more lopsided games. How will that change the Pac-12's image? Will it be, you know, if you you can't win those games and you're going out early or getting blown out by whoever is as good as Alabama or Georgia, it's going to be like the basketball tournament where there's some level of satisfaction in saying we were Sweet 16 or we were Elite 8 or we were Final 4. How's that going to work?
10: Well, I, I think basketball is actually a really good analogy for why it will work uh, once you expand CFP. I think the you know the issue with a fourteen playoff is if you were good in one of the early years of the fourteen playoff, it becomes a lot easier to recruit five and four star athletes and to get back there again. And I think you see that as kind of a self fulfilling prophecy, right? Because the teams that were good in the early years of the CFP got. Uh, higher recruited players, they were able to get back. And now the vast majority of the CFP invitations have gone to four or five schools. And if we would have had a similar kind of structure in basketball, I think you would have never seen a team like Gonzaga be able to get into that mix, right? It was the fact that you had 64 and then 68 teams uh, in the mix for basketball that allowed kids who wanted to go to Gonzaga to say, you know, I will get to play in my championship. I may not be the top four or the top 18, you know, on the first or second line of the NCAA tournament when I get in, but at least I'm going to be playing in the tournament. And that allowed them to over time build a program, which is now a top 10 program. And I think that's what happens. I think when you have more access, uh, kids are broader in how they think about where I can go to school and still participate for a national championship. And then it takes time, but that over time allows for a much more democratic spread of the talent across college football.
5: Commissioner, that leads me right into my next question. I have to say I must applaud you first on being willing to address the realities rather than just basically blow smoke over them. And you've been great. And I was at the Pac-12 title game, and you were downstairs giving the press conference, and you spoke openly about keeping kids that are growing up into the Pac-12 communities local and rather than having them go out. I'm a a Phoenix kid myself, went to Arizona State, and I can recite all the kids who've left. I mean, they just get nobody, basically. Keeley Ringo, who makes the interception for Georgia to seal it, goes to Saguaro, which is right there in the Phoenix area, coached by a coach who has legendary ASU roots, the defensive coordinator. He and his brothers played at ASU, and nevertheless, the kid goes to Georgia I can't blame them but you spoke openly about how we have to fix that now my thought for you is we all agree something has to be done but what are the tangible things that can be done to prevent this from happening? Because so much of the talent, I just use Arizona because that's a local example. Bryce Young, who threw the pass, is from Pasadena. Obviously, California is a massive amount of talent. What can be done at the conference level and the individual level to prevent this from happening at such a widespread rate that it is?
10: Yeah, we have, we have so much talent in our footprint. You know, The, the starting quarterbacks at the beginning of the season, at Alabama, and Georgia, and Ohio State, and Clemson, Clemson. Um, you know, and Oklahoma, we're all from our footprint, right? It, yep. it, yes. it, it can't happen. So, listen, there's there's two ways to, I think, turn turn the tide of recruiting. One is by taking shortcuts, and the other is by making investments. And our, our league is not about taking shortcuts. I mean, we just don't do that. Um, so, we have to focus on investments. And I think those investments come in many different forms, but, but but let's look at two of them, right? Facilities and coaching hires. And I think you've seen in the past couple of years, and particularly in, the, in this past couple of months, significant um, investments in our football program. So obviously, yeah, you guys are very familiar with um, the, the beautiful remodel at Rice-Eccles and all the money that was put into that to to make that the stadium it is today, you know Oregon State pressed the button and exploded the west side of their stadium uh, last week, and they're rebuilding that with $90 million in private funds. Well, Oregon announced in uh, October, I believe it was, uh, a 170,000-square-foot football practice facility. It'll be the greatest practice facility in the country. Um, you saw the investment in coaches, Washington State, Washington, Oregon, right? The defensive coordinator from Georgia, whose team gave up, I think it was, you know, something like 13 passing and rushing touchdowns in 15 games this year, and he's now going to be the head coach at Oregon. Obviously, Lincoln Riley at USC. I mean, there are big investments in football going on across our our footprint, and that's what's going to get the kids to want to come. And you've already seen five-star kids that had previously committed elsewhere recommit. So Pac-12 schools. You've seen kids that were considering other places now in the transfer portal coming back to us. And I think that's going to continue. And I think the investment by one school, I mean, USC and Lincoln Riley is a great example. I think the investment by USC and Lincoln Riley and its coaching staff will have benefits not just for USC, but for, for all of our schools. I think it, uh, you know, kind of the tide that rises all boats.
0: Well, you can talk shortcuts and you can talk investments. Uh, When you say shortcuts, I immediately think of schools cheating and kids getting paid, and P.K. and I have been doing this for a long time, and we've heard specific stories about people getting 50, 75, 100 grand, and and coaches off-camera, off-mic, just laying out who got what. One coach telling us a player who's now in the NBA getting 25 grand for home visits – just to be, say you're one of the finalists, twenty five grand, And they tell us in a way, think, well, this is going on. Now, name, image, and likeness brings all this above board and into the sunlight. And I don't consider name, image, and likeness a shortcut. Maybe you do, and you could expand on that. But I think the conference is going to have to expand on that. Not only a lot of, of of possibilities for star players, but stuff that's spread all across the roster for everybody. So the players who are developing stay at these schools two or three years and develop. Man, there's 50 ways to go with that question. Go any way you'd like.
10: (laughs) Yeah, well, listen, as as a conference, we're in favor of name, image, and likeness, right? It never made sense to me that if you were a music scholarship student, you could have a YouTube channel and make money off of your name, image, and likeness. But if you did that as a college athlete, you'd lose your eligibility. That just doesn't make sense. There have to be some guardrails. And the guardrails that I think everybody agrees on is that name, image, and likeness the amount you get paid has to be tied to actual work you do and the use of your name, image, and likeness. And it can't be used for inducement or pay for play, right? It can't be used as a payment to go to one school over another school or, or to play in the games. And we're seeing that happening. And it, it's so bad that you saw, you know, both Nick Saban and Kirby Smart before the national championship game in their press conferences particularly call out what a problem and an issue this is. For college football, and uh, you know the, the problem is that there's no national legislation. We have a patchwork of state laws that differ from state to state. The NCAA has um, not done any enforcement here, and they basically said if you comply with your state law, you won't lose your eligibility of your student athlete. And by the way, if you're in a state that has no state law, you can do anything you want in name, and mention likeness and not lose your eligibility. So in some respects, it's better to be in a state that has no state law because, you know, you're just you can do whatever you want. And until we have federal legislation or national enforcement of no inducement and no pay for play, uh, it's the Wild West. And the stories that you've heard, I hear every day. Uh, I know it's happening. Uh, I've talked to the other A5 commissioners about how we can work together to try and solve that issue. Um, But I think we're stuck with it until we get some federal legislation or national enforcement.
5: So are the late start times just a fact of life, given the fact of where we are in the country and we're in the West and mountain and time, a specific time zone, and can
10: we do anything about it? Yeah, one of of the greatest strengths as a conference is uh, unlike the other Power Five conferences, we don't have geographic competition as a Power Five. You know, we have all of the Power 5 schools in the Mountain and Pacific time zones. That's going to be true until BYU joins the Big 12. Um, so that provides a unique opportunity. If you're a television network, you want to program primetime West Coast games uh, that are Power 5 games. And the Pac-12 is your only alternative to provide those quality games in that time uh, kind of frame. and. For us, what that means is we get paid more to play a game at you know, 7 or 8 p.m. West Coast than if we played that same game earlier in the day. And the, the revenue is important, but we have to balance that revenue against competitive advantage and against national exposure. Obviously, if 75% of the population that lives in the central uh, and, and eastern time zone is asleep by halftime, that's not good for Heisman voting. It's not good for... CFP or AP voting. It's not good for, um, you know, just the the popularity of our schools and the brand building we need to do. So there are creative ways to trade that off. In our next media rights deal, if I had to guess, we would agree to play those games. But I think we'd want a little bit more control over which teams are playing in those games during what part of the season, because right now we have no control. ESPN and Fox, who are great partners, have the right to basically tell us, sometimes with six days' notice or 13 days' notice, these are the teams we want to play in that late game. And, you know, it ends up obviously being our best teams, and those are the teams that we want to be able to highlight nationally, or those are the players who are eligible for a Heisman Trophy vote that we want to highlight. And, you know, I think historically, you know, David Shaw will tell you, I think he's been public about the fact that he thinks Stanford lost two Heisman Trophies because of those late games. So, you know, we, we we have to work on the structure and get a little bit more flexibility, uh, but I don't think we're not going to play those games because they're valuable.
0: Having lived in California, I think they're not only valuable for TV. I think that a large portion of the fan base likes prime-time West Coast football, and 8.30 is a little awkward for this time zone, but 7.30 works great if you're in L.A. or San Francisco. So I don't, I don't think you can completely run from that. I wonder if you can get a balance where... Your two best teams, or the Heisman candidates, are playing in the second or third TV window. Uh, Two games that probably feature the middle of the league are in the late-night window unopposed. And two games are on the Pac-12 network, and they probably involve teams that aren't going to be bowl-eligible or teams that are last in their division, that kind of stuff. Is is that kind of balance, are you going to be capable of getting that kind of deal?
10: Yeah, again, everything's a trade-off, right? If, if you're willing to accept a little bit less revenue, the networks will give you a little bit more flexibility. And the great news is they're our partners. They want our lead to be successful, and they understand those challenges. So we'll work on that as part of the media rights negotiation. I will say that um, you know playing in prime time for a television audience is great. I do hear, and I think it's a real concern from some of our schools, that it's difficult for fan attendance and for building kind of a family tradition of, you know, the kids yeah. coming to the games their entire childhood when when you have those light games. And that's particularly true for some of our schools where more of their fan base, you know, it, you gotta drive ninety minutes from Portland to get to Corvallis. And, you know, that that that's an issue. And when the game ends at ten thirty or eleven, you know, that that that's that's different than if the game ends, you know, late afternoon. So it's all a balance. We'll, we'll work through all of these. I mean, the, the great news about all of this is uh, the athletic directors, the presidents and chancellors who make up my board and are my bosses, uh, and the conference office are all 100% aligned in what we're trying to achieve. And we'll be collaborative about figuring out solutions.
5: With this alliance that has been created, as far as scheduling for football, what is your idea, and what would you like to see be implemented, and when, as far as the non-conference scheduling, given the Alliance, or maybe even beyond that?
10: Well, you know, when I joined College Athletics seven months ago, I joined with very little collegiate athletic experience, and I was always a fan, uh, but there are things that just never made sense to me. So, the you know, the top of that list, it's a long list, but the top of that list about what doesn't make sense in College Athletics is that we schedule college football games, you know, 10, 12, 15 years ahead of time, right? Uh, Utah has a home and away series with LSU in 2031 and 2032. How does that make sense? So uh, the the thought is, how do you make sure that you have teams to play that are quality teams that will lead to, you know, kind of great, great matchups, if, if you don't actually go and schedule those games and contract those games way in advance, particularly if everyone else is doing it, what teams are going to be left to play? So Nirvana, North Star for football scheduling for the Alliance, is each of the three conferences eventually, and again, consistent with existing contractual obligations and consistent with the need to include the media partners at figuring this out, eventually we each get to a place where we've agreed to play eight conference games and one game against each of the other conferences every year. So Pac-12 teams would have eight conference Pac-12 games, one game against the ACC, one game against the Big Ten. One of them, those games would be home, the other would be away. That would switch from year to year. Uh, games 11 and 12, the athletic d- director and the football coach can schedule. They can make sure they have seven home games. They can make sure they have two games that are you know, not power five games, if that's what if that's what they want. Um, and the amazing part, if our 12 teams know that they've got 12 games against the Big Ten, 12 games against the ACC, is you don't have to schedule those years in advance. You wait till the end of the previous season. You look at matchups for next season, and you schedule those matchups. And it allows you to be much more dynamic about creating great product. You can, if, if two brothers are playing on, on different teams in different leagues, you can match up those two teams. If there's a great bowl matchup that you know goes into triple overtime, and you want to have a rematch of that bowl the following season, you can do that. You can really do made for television. The other thing that you could achieve is that one of the coaches say says, "Hey, I'm you know I'm I'm trying to recruit a kid in Michigan. I want to play, you know, in in the state of Michigan next year." You, you can to some extent make those kind of things happen. So. Again, I just, I just think there's lots of examples of this. For me, the, the best example, I was an ACC kid. I was a Virginia guy. I, I remember the excitement of the ACC Big Ten basketball challenge where the announcement about who you were going to play came out you know a couple months before not years before. And we, we can achieve that same thing in football, I think. Um, lots of hurdles to get there. It'll be several years, but I think eventually we'll get there.
0: George Klafkoff joining us, Pac-12 commissioner. One thing that would help more exposure with the league is if there were more networks and more TV windows. Part of the alliance and the scheduling out the championship is to uh, create uh, championship opportunities for other networks. Is CBS going to get into college football? And not just with the one window they have with the SEC, but when that deals up, will they be televising two or three games every Saturday? Because obviously that would open some opportunities for the Pac-12.
11: Yeah, I
10: don't want to talk about any specific networks um, because we've talked to all of them, and I don't want to disclose any anything. You know, that that's confidential. What I will tell you is, in a world where less and less people are getting their video product on um, the satellite and cable every year, and where you know over the top direct to consumer services are popping up every day and competing against each other uh, for for subscribers, and where. You know, every piece of glass connected to the internet is now a device where you can watch, you know, a game. Um, There are, you know, a lot of folks who want the content that we have to sell, and when our media rights come up for renegotiation, we're going to have multiple bidders for every tier of our rights because it's such a valuable product. There's no more valuable video product than live sports. It it attracts the right demographic, by the way, particularly Pac-12. Uh, our, our alumni are uh, higher net earners than, you know, kind of any other group. Uh, it, 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 it allows you to run commercials that are more valuable because it's live. People are less likely to fast forward through commercials; they're watching that programming live, and they see the commercials. It aggregates large audiences. Right, like more than ninety of the top hundred watched television programs last year were sporting events. Um, So everything about it uh, indicates that it's the most valuable programming, and it's programming that is generally sold somewhat exclusively uh, for for the Tier 1 product. So we're going to have a line of people um, wanting to buy the product, and it's going to include lots of television networks, not, not just our existing partners
5: believe before you took this job, Commissioner, that you did extreme deep diligence and did deep dives on everything and you had certain things that you felt like had to have happened in order for you to say yes because you knew full well of all the issues that you were getting into. I mean, it, and it went crazy as you you've spoken on Twitter. You know, within what days you had the Big 12 with the two teams leaving to the SEC and now you probably couldn't have predicted that maybe. But I'm wondering for you, as far as the financial investment because I've been looking and reading other interviews that you did. I spent 23 years in newspapers so I always scour the internet every day as far as that goes and I saw some interviews that you did in terms of wanting the presidents and chancellors to make that financial commitment necessary. Did you have that set up that okay if I take this job these are the things that I need you to do you understand what I'm saying sort of be in it to win it so to speak?
10: Well, what what I would say is um, during the interview process, uh, I was so sure I wasn't getting the job that I I thought I could be incredibly transparent with the presidents and chancellors who were interviewing me, right? And I kind of laid it all on the line, and I said, "Listen, you know, we're the we're the Conference of Champions. You know, we've won more NCAA titles in fifty-four of the last sixty years, and each each of the last sixteen years than any other conference, and that's great." But the economic engine that drives college athletics and allows us to invest in all of those other sports is you know, 70% football, 30% men's basketball. And um, we have not won a uh, championship in those two sports in 17 years. And I think in order to be successful in everything we do and to continue to support thousands of student-athletes and give away all these scholarships and build the facilities that support all these other uh, Olympic sports and uh, we, we need to be good in those two sports. And I, I didn't have the answers and I'm not sure I have all of the answers yet, but I, I certainly said that to the presidents and chancellors when I were, was interviewing and they all agreed. And for me, I wasn't asking for specific financial commitments or, but, but just the ethos in the room was, yeah, like we have to be good in those two sports. And it will be a building process, right? It, 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 it's a long climb out of the valley that we're in, but we'll get there. And there's, there's a certain cyclical nature of this stuff, but, but it is 17 years. And, um, you know, they, they were all aligned with that as part of the priorities that I was saying I would bring to the conference. And when I was announced in May, again, two, two and a half months before I actually took the job, it, it was one of the four kind of pillar priorities for the league to be good at football and good at men's basketball. And I wouldn't have said that if I didn't think the presidents were aligned with me.
0: George Klaavkov, Pac-12 commissioner, joining us. Uh, the Pac-12 basketball tournament, they've tried L.A. and they've tried Las Vegas, and I think everybody thinks Las Vegas is better. The football game just drew over 50,000 in Vegas. L.A.'s got a brand-new stadium, and you're playing in the bowl game in there. Oregon State was there year one against Utah State. At some point, do you need to try LA, or do you think the Pac-12 title game is a Vegas event and it it needs to stay in Vegas and grow?
10: Well, we we have another year on our existing deal to play at Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. Yeah, I, I was kind of on the other side of that deal because my previous job at MGM Resorts in Vegas, we 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 helped bring both the mm. basketball tournament and the football championship game to Vegas, and I was you know sitting on the other side of the table for those negotiations. I think Vegas is a great spot, but we're not counting out any other opportunities. SoFi Stadium is amazing. Uh, you know, the Jimmy Kimmel Los Angeles Bowl was, was really fun. Uh, and that's a terrific venue. Um, but, you know, I, I don't want to like say we're committed one place or another, right? The cities benefit from having us there. And there's a little bit of a bidding opportunity uh, for the conference. And we'll go through that when we're ready to extend to the next set of football championship games. And um, we'll certainly look at other places, but I I can't say enough good things about how uh, Legion Stadium and the Raiders and Las Vegas have treated us, uh, both in basketball and football.
5: What's your good instinct, Commissioner, on the actual parameters of the playoff?
10: My gut instinct is that we're going to expand my gut instinct is that it's going to be 12, could, could be eight, although the SEC has very clearly said, we're, you know, we're not going, we're not going to vote in favor of eight, only 12. Um, I, you know, I, I think the interesting thing is if you focus on uh, what we need to change it in the current 12-year term, right, that runs through 2025, um, you need unanimous consent of all 11 folks in the room. And that has proven to be really, really difficult. Um, you know, there are other issues, but the format is the big issue, and there's not a single format that has 11 yes votes. Um, if you focus on, well, the contract ends at the end of the current term, and in year 13 and beyond, we currently have zero commitment to each other. Like, there's, there's, there's no grant of rights. There's, there's, there's no contract beyond year 12. There's nothing. So there's a group... A subgroup of that 11 that could say, hey, from year 13 and beyond, we want to have this structure and this format. And then the others who are not part of that conversation or who originally said no to a particular format would have to make a decision about whether or not to join the group. How many need to be in that group and who needs to be in that group, I think is up for debate. Uh, you know, I, would, I consider the PAC-12 to be one of the people that would have to be part of that group. To, to make it, um, you know, a, a legitimate enough playoff that others would have to decide whether or not to join. But, um, you know, that, that's the way to focus. The way to focus is what does it look like beyond year 12? And then once you have that format set up for beyond year 12, since by definition it's going to be more access for everybody, I think it's pretty, pretty easy to say, hey, can we shoehorn that in for years 11 and 12 as well? And people will say yes. But we've been focused for most of the last, you know, seven months on what can we get 11 people to say yes to. And I just think we're at a point where we have to stop having that conversation because it's clear we're not getting there.
0: Well, that's some serious power politics to end on right there. I appreciate that. Commissioner, we appreciate you coming on and uh, really laying this all out for all the, uh, the Pac-12 fans listening. Thanks for joining us and look forward to having you on somewhere down the road again. We really appreciate it.
10: Thank you so much. I appreciate the time. And your support of Pac-12.
0: Thank you. There's George Klyavkov, Pac-12 Commissioner. And if you missed any of that, you want to hear the whole thing, or you want to hear it again, you're really hardcore, wherever you get your podcast, it's available everywhere. Just search DJ and PK, Klyavkov, and it doesn't matter. Uh, Apple, Google, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, blah, 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 on down the line. It's, it's everywhere. All right, when we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Since last we spoke to you. The Jazz went back-to-back, played the Nuggets and the Lakers, and there were six NFL playoff games. We'll get to all that coming up next right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.
12: Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag Utah Jazz.
13: Russell Westbrook attacking hard to the rim. Packed it with the right hand. Oh, my goodness. And a technical foul on Westbrook
12: for taunting. But what a dunk. Spinning is LeBron. He's got Gobert. Hey. Gobert.
8: Some speed and throws it in. Here comes Clarkson right side.
12: Clarkson dancing, spinning, dribbles off his leg right to Donovan who lays it up and in. Assists Jordan Clarkson's tattooed right knee. Oh, what a play. Stanley controls, finds Bradley. Yes! Yes,
5: sir! From Johnson. Big rebound by the Lakers. Westbrook ah. out
13: of that Rush all the way.
0: And the Jazz lose to the Lakers, 101-95, a day after they blew out the Nuggets, 125-102. Those three teams play three times in three days, and they go one and one and the rested team wins every time. And that PK is part of the reason a lot of people don't trust the regular season when it comes to the playoffs. It ain't all even.
5: So you're saying the Jazz weren't
0: rested? They weren't. No, they jazz,
5: weren't. The Jazz weren't rested? Well, then why shoot all the freaking threes?
0: Then? <laughs> because they ran out of ideas. You're the basketball dude. Because they ran
5: they out, ran of, out ideas. of ideas. Is Wow.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I thought I,
5: they had this genius coach and all this stuff.
0: Uh, the genius and, and coach you're was so pretty tired, frustrated in the post game.
5: Well, then how about you be frustrated during the game and do something about it? Put pa- I don't need you to be frustrated in the post game.
0: Put Pascal in. Let him drive to the hoop. The threes aren't going anyway. And we just had Lock-On on Friday saying, you get stuff with him, but you give up stuff with him. And one of the things you give up is a three-pointer. Well, nobody else is making the three-pointer. So, break the rotation, sit one of the veterans, and play him. I think, and we'll go right, around answer, and around about answer. this. The, I don't have any problem with that. Yeah. Uh, that, I mean, that's the best answer that comes to to my mind watching that and then I think the other thing is that we can sit here and uh, explain what went wrong or why and it's true I think largely if you're one of the better teams in the NBA but if you want to be the best team in the NBA then none of the explanations are good enough. If you're going to be the championship team you just got to push through and win more of these. You're not going to win them all nobody wins them all but why are you five and a half games behind the Suns because you haven't pushed through and won some of these and if you're the best team in the NBA you do now you don't have to be the best team in the NBA in mid-January to win the championship and that's why Quinn keeps saying well you know how good are we gonna be in game 70 they clearly have to be better everybody listening to this can come up with pet peeves in these games they're losing and you can explain them away well, if you're above be average but if you're the best then this stuff just doesn't happen you figure out a way to beat the Lakers and they didn't.
5: Yeah, well, when have they ever been the best? Though, I mean,
0: no. We well, they say they, they want to win the, the championship. Well, being the best means so winning the championship. Everybody
5: wants to win the title. That's no big deal. I, mean, I know. Nobody says that. I mean, I, I, don't I, just, I just want them to beat the Lakers at a, a below five hundred team in January. Why do? Why that do I was, sweep that aside? Well, it's January, that January, so it doesn't really matter.
0: That was the Lakers' best win in two months. DJ and PK.
12: Hashtag NBA. Morant around at Clark String, splits a double team in the lane, hangs. 360 layup is off the window and in. What a move on national TV for the Grizzlies' rising superstar, John Morant. Spinning 360 degrees in midair, lays it home with the left hand.
11: Top of the key, Jackson against LeBert. Swing it around near side corner, Batum, another three. Oh! This dude is unconscious, Nicolas Batum
5: money from the outside.
2: Here's Chris Ball to inbound underneath the basket to the
12: right. Bounces it into campaign of the right baseline. He brings it out beyond the arc. Got a pick from McGee. Has Vassell on his hip. Lobbed to McGee for the jam time. An alley-oop from Cameron Payne to JaVale McGee.
0: Highlights from the NBA. Who is this Nicola Batum you speak of? What happened to Nick, Nick Batum? Batum? Yeah, Nick Batum. The team goes for 32, and the Clippers outscore the Pacers 139-133. Portland gets C.J. McCollum back. Are they going to tank or not? Apparently not. He comes back. He scored 16 points. The Blazers beat the Orlando Magic
5: 98-88. the Magic suck. Come on. They're not going to go winless between now and the end of the season.
0: <laughs> And what do those games have in common? Well, the Jazz lost to the Magic earlier this year, and they lost to the Pacers twice. First two teams we talked about this morning. The Nets season. Ah, major, major problem there with Kevin Durant. MCL sprain. He is going to be out for a while here. The Nets, without him, lose to the Cavaliers 114-107. Darius Garland goes for 22-12. That's a big hit for the Nets right there, PK, who can't seem to get their big three together. No, they can't. The Phoenix Suns keep it rolling. They blow out the San Antonio Spurs. Devin Booker, 48 points in the win, a 121-107 victory.
5: Yeah, I like that Ayton went down with a sprained ankle last game, and they bring in this Biombo, who was a high pick, and has just been kind of floundering around. They sign him, and he's been playing great, 17-14. and 14.
0: I haven't watched him play. Have you watched any of those Suns games? Is this just a case of uh, better players around him, you think? Or maybe somebody finally figuring it out a little later in their NBA career?
5: I don't have answers. I'm not a psychologist. I just know he went for 17 and 14, and they lacked some big guys. And when Eaton comes back, now they got three of them.
0: Draymond Green is out at least two more weeks. Soreness in his left calf is tied to the involvement of a disc in his lower back. So that doesn't sound good. So the Warriors can't get their big three together either, just like the Nets. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Weekend of basketball. There were some Monday games. The youths suffered their sixth straight loss. Arizona State making one more big play, one bucket down the stretch at the end to get the win. 64-62, 64-62, six straight losses for the Utes, and they got the L.A. schools next week, so you figure that would be eight in a row of those schools highly ranked. Utes can't catch a break, PK. They were right there but couldn't pull it off.
5: What difference does it make? They're not going anywhere this year anyway. I mean, you got to give this man two to three years. Uh, who cares if they get the L.A. schools? I don't get it.
0: What, what did we think they were going to do this year? Uh, win a few more games than this. I mean, not go to the NCAA What, what tournament? difference does it make? Are you more attractive to transfers if you won a few more games and you're closer? Closer to the tournament? They're nowhere
5: near the tournament. We need <laughs> closer. If you're 20 miles away and now you're 19.9 miles away, does that make you closer? 18.5 miles away and you're closer. <laughs> hey, he's got to have time to develop a program. Just show me some competitiveness. That's what I'm looking for the youths this year. See how hard they play. How hard can he get them to play? And then let him go to work and see what he can do. I mean, he talks about how you know it's first year at Utah State. Well, he's gifted an NBA player in Merrill, and then obviously he got the what's the other kid, the center. He uh, the yeah, and and away they went. They don't have that kind of talent here.
0: Big win for BYU at USF. Down ten in the second half, they turned it around and talk about making one more big play down the stretch. They made it. You wonder if that missed free throw right at the end was gonna was gonna haunt him when Barcelo went one for two.
5: He a Saturday night, man. This is Tuesday morning. I can't remember. <laughs> man, I watched the I watched the whole game. They're an NCAA tournament team. They got eleven games to go. Yep. the most they're gonna lose is three.
0: Yeah, yeah. All, all my NCAA doubts swept aside. That was a great win on the road. That pays off for him big time. Big Sky play, Weber State beat Idaho State 78-61. Kobe McEwen scored 23 points. Southern Utah beat Portland State 86-76. BYU an NCAA tournament team, and will the state get a second team? Southern Utah and Weber State preseason picked 1-2 in a Big Sky and it could come down to a Big Sky tournament final between those two teams. We'll have to see how that plays out in March. Aggies Face Fresno State tonight. That game, 9 o'clock on the CBS Sports Network. Scotty G will be on the call. Pre-game coverage at 8.30 here on The Zone. DJ and PK.
13: Hashtag NFL. Joe Burrow is ready, Hopkins snaps it back, Burrow drops back to throw, looking, rolling out to the right, still looking downfield, Burrow throws it toward the back of yeah. end zone, Boyd yeah. leaps, he makes the catch! They have the extra offensive lineman Tommy Doyle in the game the last couple of snaps. And this is sometimes where you get that big man touchdown. Josh keeps it up, play action, fires to the end zone, you called it Eric, touchdown Buffalo! The pass to rookie Tommy Doyle, the big man touchdown! They are
9: pouring it on now! This game's out of control. Here's the play, dropping to throw Brady, looks toward the
3: end zone, throws, caught ball,
9: Evans, he's got a Tampa Bay touchdown, does a somersault, and the box put the dagger in the heart of the Eagles.
3: they got to get up and clock
5: the ball, five four three two. Dak, will, will he get it off in
13: time? No. With one second to go, did he spike the ball in time or no, not? No, he did not. He did not, the 49ers have won the game, what do you got, Alex Kemp? Did he spike it in time? That's so the they, end of the game. The
3: game is over, the 49 49ers have won.
13: They're on their way to
7: Lambeau. Oh my goodness! Steelers show a four-man defensive front, trying to build a wall. Now
12: they're going to throw it long. The
13: Chiefs want Tyreek Hill over the shoulder, touchdown! Kansas City and Mahomes is on fire.
12: Second and six from the seven. Here comes the blitz. Slides to his right. Close low,
0: Blow out the Arizona Cardinals, thirty-four to eleven, and a horrible pick-six seemed like the play that blew it open, but there were so many plays for the Rams; they won pretty comfortably. So they advance. Matthew Stafford only had to throw for two hundred two yards and two touchdowns as they got the big early lead. Best game of the weekend: the Niners, the Cowboys. Why run the ball with fourteen seconds left? The people who do this for a living, who break down all these scenarios in the offseason and obsess about every detail, coaches saying it takes 17 or 18 seconds to run up the middle and then to get everybody up there and spike the ball, and the Cowboys tried it with 14 seconds. What happened to the Cowboy offense in the first three quarters, PK? Niners, D, just shutting them down. Seven points in three quarters? Seems like the game was lost early.
5: It was lost early, and it was lost late, and it was lost in the middle.
0: Yeah, right. Right. All those penalties, that was uh, that was nice. Just one flag after another, 14 eventually on the Cowboys. A lot of penalties, a lot of yardage uh, they, to give up. I mean, uh, well, they
5: only actually only gave up 86 yards, I think, with all those penalties. You would have thought it would have been more.
0: The two seeds looked as awesome as they were supposed to look. The Chiefs and the Bucks. Both roll. Chiefs crushing the Steelers. The Bucks getting up 31-0 on the Eagles before the Eagles got a couple of late scores. They look good like they were supposed to look, PK. But the Bills weren't supposed to look that good, scoring on every possession against the Patriots until they kneel down at the end of the game. No fourth downs for Buffalo.
5: Right, yeah, obviously. They, they were just on fire, man, offensively. And Brady was early with the Bucks and, and that's what you expect. So the Bills, you know, this is what I thought they could do all season. I was surprised they had a little bit more of an up-and-down regular season than yep. I thought they were going to. And it doesn't matter now. I don't know that they're going to get uh, that type of performance every week for whatever reason. The Patriots just didn't belong on the field going forward there. If they can get – obviously, if they can get that kind of offense, they're going to be tough to beat.
0: Well, we get the Bills and the Chiefs this week, which uh, I think a lot of people thought could be the AFC title game when the season started, but they're going to play a week early. The Bengals are going to play the Titans. The Bengals beat the Raiders in a pretty good game, 26-19. Your field goal rule took a beating in that game. Man, that was just one field goal after another. Somebody put the ball in the end zone already, will you? Yeah, I
5: think they should limit them to three a game, make the game more exciting.
0: Raiders fired GM Mike Mayock after that loss to the Bengals. He had three seasons on the job. He was hired the same time as John Gruden, and they are going to start over, although maybe not completely over because the interim coach may be getting the job.
5: Uh, for a few years until he gets fired. He's yeah, he right. rotate
0: people in and out. Uh, San Francisco is going to Green Bay. Jimmy Garoppolo with a slightly sprained right shoulder According to his head coach Kyle Shanahan, he is expected to play Saturday against the Packers. Good. Jimmy G already has a torn ligament in his right thumb, so bad. See, all right. Yeah, we'll see what the see what the Niners' passing game looks like. Give him more of an excuse to throw bad passes. Give the Packers more of an edge that they shouldn't oh, yeah. need at home in the playoffs. Former uh, BYU linebacker Fred Warner had a sprained ankle, and that went over Dallas. He is expected to play against Green Bay as well. DJ and PK. Hashtag
12: college football.
0: Well, you may not like it, but it's the way the game is played. So Dabo Sweeney, who's been a vocal critic of the NCAA transfer portal, has added a quarterback. He once coached Northwestern's Hunter Johnson, who was at Clemson, left to go to Northwestern, is now returning to Clemson as a grad transfer. I suppose we're going to see more of this. The true bounce-back kid, bouncing back to Clemson. What is he, Booth (laughs) Koch? Bouncing back to Utah. We're going to see more of this. Just get used to it. I don't like it here. Oh, the grass isn't greener. I'm going back. Iowa coach Kirk Francis disbanded an alumni advisory committee that was created after a 2020 investigation found evidence of racial bias against black players in his program and bullying behavior by some of his assistants. See Todd Graham, For <laughs> decision. The end of the committee came shortly after its leader, former offensive lineman David Porter, suggested it was time for Iowa to cut ties with his coach. Yeah, I'll cut some ties with you. And Todd Graham out in Hawaii. That was a spectacular Friday night news dump right there, man. let bury that. Hawaii now looking for a new coach, and all of the lists seem to have a bunch of guys with. BYU ties. Lamb, Tuiaki, and I. Yes, all three of them. Of course, those are big lists. Also, they've got former yeah. players on there, and right. I mean, when those guys are on the list, it's a list of eight to ten people. It's not like they're three or four finalists or something no, like that. Not yet. Not right. Yeah, not yet. Wouldn't be at all surprised to see one or two of them as finalists. Lamb was a finalist last time. Yep. Hot Takes your Toast brought to you by Zero Res. Zero Res is the only carpet cleaner for a smarter, lasting clean. Zero Res is patented processes, uses the only water to clean, meaning no crunchy carpets and spot-free carpet that is safe for the whole family. Schedule your carpet cleaning today by calling 801-288-9376, 801 288 or booking online at zeroresaltlake.com. Or if you're up north, it's zeroresdavisweber.com. Coming up, Jason Cole, longtime veteran NFL reporter, NFL Hall of Fame selector, is going to join us in about 10 minutes. We'll talk about all those NFL playoff games and look forward to next week. And Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, will be here at 9 05, right here on 97-5 and 1280 the zone.
12: This is
13: unrivaled. You Guys are doing a hell of a job.
8: I just believe. It can't be status quo for Utah cuz if it's status quo, USC Oregon are going to go they're going to blow by Utah in the next couple of years. Utah's got to get bold. They got to get creative. They got to get outside the box. They got to get some big-time recruit bigger than what they've been getting.
12: That is unbelievable. Catch unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kirey. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 975 1280 the Zone. powered by kslsports.com.
0: DJ and PK, it's time for Hot Takes or Toast, brought to you by Zero Res, the only carpet cleaner. For smarter, lasting, clean. Zero Res is a padded process, uses only water to clean, meaning no crunchy carpets and a spot-free carpet that's safe for the whole family. Schedule a carpet cleaning today by calling 801-288-9376 or booking online at Lake.com. If you're up north, it's zeroresdavisweber.com. Question of the morning, how bad does it suck that the Jazz lost to the Lakers? It sucks a lot. They're the Lakers. It always sucks to lose to the Lakers, and it sucks worse when the Lakers are having a season where they suck on a semi-regular basis. A lot of sucking going on. Exactly. Kyle says it's bad. We're no different than Boozer and Williams years. And if you think we are, you're delirious. I don't think delirious. Delusional is the word. Delirious? (laughs) Just wandering in the desert looking for water. I'm delirious. You could be delirious or delusional. No, I think it's delusional. Scott says it's terrible. A good chunk of the blame is on the coaching, predictable lineups, and poor adjustments. Coaching, huh? Bryson says, "Oh, not four of our main contributors going one for 26 from three? Come on! I love a good solid come on at the end of the hot take.
5: Come on! I love a good solid. One one for 26. That allows you to get closer to the basket. That's just me, man. The threes are nice, but when they ain't a falling, you ain't a winning.
0: Poor coaching, no heart, no offense, no defense. Scrub Lakers having a good night. Ryan has a lot of complaints.
5: Oh, yeah. I could sense the frustration with
9: Ryan.
0: Mark says, teams are going to be positioning themselves to get the Jazz in the first round. This team just isn't a championship-caliber team.
5: Positioning themselves? Uh, Like who? Why? The Jazz (laughs) usually get out of the first round. That's not the problem.
0: DeGiro says, what a joke. We lost to a team that's older than Jack Nicholson. No excuse. But not older
5: than Lou Adler. How old is Lou Adler? Oh, look up, Lou. He's way up there. That's Jack's buddy sits right next to him.
0: Oh, really? You don't know Lou Adler? Uh, no, I guess not. I guess I should. I can hear her in your tone of voice. I should. Wow. I will, I will Google Lou Adler. Oh, I recognize him. Yeah, I've seen that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Film producer, co-owner of the Roxy Theater. Okay. Yeah. Behind the times of my my Hollywood faces and names.
5: Well, he's been there for years. That's like Diane Cannon, <laughs> Penny Marshall, and you know these people that go, they're staples before there was even the staples.
0: Nice, so, going back to the form days.
5: Yeah. I mean, now you get everybody in their dog or, and have been for a number of years, but th- those fans that I just mentioned, you're going back 40 years
0: Chris says, losing to the Lakers sucks as bad as their shooting. shooting. There were a lot of missed shots in that game. There was a lot of opportunity for whoever could get their act together. Neither team shot 30% from well, three.
5: Your big thing is that they were not fresh, right? Then how do you explain Mike Conley? Why was he fresh? Why was one of the older guys fresh? He was the outlier the and all that. Because no. I don't buy that. No, I don't think he he was the outlier in terms of making shots. Right. That's what but, I meant. But the fresh stuff is a bunch of beat. Right.
0: Him playing the back to backs. I mean they I thought he wasn't gonna play back to backs this year and clearly that's become selective. And they had three days off before this back to back, so he went ahead and played.
5: Yeah, so I don't buy I think it was just poor shot selection. They weren't hitting and I know that's what they do, but do you have to do it every time, no matter what? We're going to do it even when we know there's little chance that it's going to go in. So we just do it. And that's what we do. So, And then the coach complains about it after the game. Meanwhile, rack up another L to a sub-500 team. I mean, you ca- I can't even recall them all. There's been so many of them. But that's what we do, damn it. And we're not changing, so screw you. And when we got our nucleus going one for 25, tough. You don't like it? Too bad. Okay. I appreciate that approach. I, I, yeah, I'm as stubborn as they come. I love <laughs> you stubborn love entity.
0: <laughs> Conley, Royce O'Neal, Joe Ingles, they shot the three well. And the other guys didn't.
5: Yeah, I mean, they were all
0: back-to-back, too.
5: So that that that's the thing is that. That that sounds good, and I know you hit on it on Twitter. That sounds good. It's a logical explanation, except it doesn't apply to everybody. So if it doesn't apply to everybody, then it should apply to nobody.
0: More on the Jazz coming up. Right now, we're going to pivot and talk NFL playoffs. Jason Cole joining us, longtime veteran NFL reporter and NFL Hall of Fame selector. Jason, welcome back to
14: the show. Good to be here. What's going on, guys?
0: Well, there's a lot of storylines, and there's a lot of things to get to, but... The Cowboys are America's team, and the end of that game was a mess. And there were way too many penalties. And honestly, they got dominated by that Niners defense. They only scored seven points in the first three quarters. That's a huge problem. And is anything going to change in Dallas at all, or is it just going to be wash, rinse, and repeat, and we'll see these Cowboys win a bunch of regular season games and check out of the playoffs early again next year?
14: You got it. You're, you're, you're good. You, you, you got the explanation. It's, it's not changing <laughs> it's just, Like Jerry Jones is in charge and the only thing that he wants is a coach that will allow him to do what he wants so he's not going to change up for that and it do, ultimately doesn't really matter who the coach is uh, I would say this I think Mike McCarthy's done a pretty good job of navigating Jerry to get the team to where it is um I think Jerry's going to interfere more and more because he thinks he has a team that's ready to win a Super Bowl. But other than that, no. I I don't see them changing after having a coach who got them to the playoffs. And, by the way, they led the league in scoring this year. I mean, that's, that's a good team. It's not a great team. But it's a good team, and they're going the right direction. So... I think some of this histrionics about firing McCarthy are kind of silly.
5: Do you feel the same way about uh, Kingsbury with Arizona?
14: Um, I mean, generally, yes. I mean, look, again, I think Kingsbury's done a really good job. I'm not a big fan of that offense. Um, I think that offense is based on – it's X's and O's based – spacing that requires superior players to make it work the right way. And so when you lose a DeAndre Hopkins, all of a sudden everything sort of falls apart if that makes sense. Um so they have to do one thing. They either have to get, you know, they have to get Hopkins back, but they constantly have to feed that offense star receivers. Or they have to make the transition to what New Orleans did with Drew Brees so much, which was make sure that you have two really good guards, great guards, and a really great center who are stout, who make sure that you have a clean pocket for your short quarterback. Um, Because he can't really exist other than that. I I mean, like the interception on the the Connor screen pass. Well, Connor, you can make the argument that Connor should have caught the ball that's the kind of throw that you get from a short quarterback because he's got to angle that ball up high and and hard to get it around the defensive linemen. So you really got to have a clean pocket for a guy like that. So Kingsbury has to go one of two ways. I think the most likely way is he's going to go with superior wide receivers. So they have to keep bringing in those guys. And unfortunately, they're either A, high draft picks, or B, expensive free agents.
0: They've gone from five wins to eight wins to eleven wins in the three years he's been there. Should there be this mm-hmm. much hand ringing, or should they just no. I mean, they, they seem on the right track. Even though the results, that the problem is they they play much better early in the year than they do play late, and then they play late in the year, and that has been a trend each of the three years. Sure, but the win that's total is still. I mean that that's a great trend. Five, eight, eleven.
14: 11 they're doing fine. Okay, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be changing the coach. I'm not. I wouldn't. I'm not sure I would have hired him in the first place because again, as a fo- he doesn't play a kind of style of football that I like to play, um, and I like to build because I think it's precarious. But if you were going to draft that quarterback, you're going to go draft a coach who knows how to use that particular quarterback, right? So from that perspective, I'm I'm good with it, and. Like One size does not fit all in the NFL. You can win multiple ways with multiple different systems. The question is, what is the most consistent way to win in the NFL? And I don't think it's the way that Kingsbury coaches and the way that he's formulated his offense or the way that you have a short quarterback who depends on running around. A short quarterback who runs around eventually becomes a short quarterback who doesn't run as much because his body gets banged up and that day is going to come sooner than later. And what you have left is a guy that you have to protect in a very, very different way.
5: From both aspects, Jason, I was really surprised with the Bills and Patriots. What do you make of both of those teams in that situation?
14: I thought that was going to be a blowout. Um, I I wasn't surprised at all. I think Buffalo is just better than them. Um, Now, It got out of hand. It was extreme, obviously, because Buffalo scored a touchdown on every one of their possessions. But I don't think those two teams were particularly close. And I don't think that – I think the Patriots – I think Mac Jones was okay in a first playoff game as a rookie in a brutal environment and a hard place to throw in zero-degree weather. He better learn to do that because that's going to be the kind of playoff weather he plays in his entire career as long as in the the Northeast – um, so I, I think there were some promising things for the Patriots, but the Patriots were a team that won a lot of games this year by reducing errors and, and slowing games down and um, you know just playing percentages. And once in a, when you come up against teams that are just better than you and have better personnel overall, they're going to they're gonna destroy you. And I know Buffalo, their record doesn't indicate that. But they had this really rough patch in the middle of the season, you know, when they got got banged up. Their offense had some problems, and you know they lost Jadavious White. You know, if you take away that middle part of the season, this is a team that started four and one and ended the regular season four and zero, and now are basically five and zero, you know, five game winning streak. That's a pretty dominant team. You know, they survived that middle stretch and made the playoffs. I, I think Buffalo is a lot better. Than we make them out to be, and I think they have a pretty good chance to go into Kansas City with that, with that offense, and because they're willing to throw it and challenge that Chiefs defense.
0: The Chiefs and the Bucks both win big. They were supposed to win big. The seven seeds mm-hmm. haven't won yet. I'm sure they will at some point because we've seen nine and seven teams go to the Super Bowl, and in the case of the Giants, win it. So it'll happen, but. Do you do you like this? <laughs> I mean, are they letting in too many teams, or is it just it's a money machine? And if the the number two seeds have quarterbacks that everybody wants to watch, and the NFL wouldn't have made money if those guys had buys and were standing on the sidelines. So just deal with the expanded playoffs.
14: Yeah, pretty much. Like this is, this is still a business. At the end of the day, <laughs> they want they want to see more games. They want Monday night games. They like Sunday night games. They, yeah, you know, they want games. There's, you know, networks are desperate for more live action. So give them what they want, take the money for it, and run. Um, I hope they don't go to eight. I mean, look, like seven's pushing it. It really is. I mean, because Pittsburgh Pittsburgh's record was was fine, but Pittsburgh was a horrible team this year. I mean, th- that offense by the end of the year was just. I mean, it was it was. Awful to watch, and I wasn't, you know, like that game. I basically didn't watch much beyond the second quarter, right? So I don't know how how valuable that is as a as a commodity long term for the networks, other than they do have some action. Um, and you know, Philly, I wasn't really dying to watch that team play in the playoffs either. Um, they're pretty mediocre, but you know, they had winning records, so it's okay. I think you get in. To troubling areas where you have those years where you got eight and nine teams, or maybe even at some point a seven and ten team. That's really a, where I think you're you're hurting the integrity of your game if that starts to happen. But I, I still think that's going to be the exception. Um, other than that, yeah, deal with it. This is this is what you get from a money making enterprise.
5: For sure, yeah, no doubt about that. As I look ahead, I view Green Bay as a solid number one seed and obviously, in my mind, they believe they belong there. Uh, in the AFC, Tennessee's the number one seed, and, and they belong there because they got there. But are, do you view them as invincible? And maybe I'm wrong to view Green Bay as a heavy favorite, and we'll see what happens. But I think Cincinnati has a decent shot against Tennessee.
14: Oh, yeah. I like. I mean, now they played in the regular season, and, and Tennessee stopped them pretty good. And I think Tennessee's, offense, Tennessee's defense is it was pretty darn good in the back end. Um, and their ability to handle Jamar Chase and Higgins and and Boyd, um, they're going to give Joe Burrow more trouble than you expect. The other, the other problem I have with Cincinnati is I thought Zach Taylor was a little bit too conservative early in the game when he had opportunities to, to put that game weight. Like their first three possessions were all deep in Oakland territory. Um, Via return or the or the fumble by Derek Carr and they go up thirteen nothing. But that really needed to be a seventeen or twenty one to nothing game for them to sort of establish themselves as hey look, we're serious contenders. They're still that you know <laughs> they're not ready for primetime players. That that's they're really, really good. Um, I just figure that they're gonna fall into being, you know, into being bengalized by the Brown family and like they're just not gonna achieve what they're supposed to achieve. That's that's my fear of this Bengal team with Burrow and Chase. Now hopefully they overcome it. But I was really kinda disappointed with Zach Taylor not driving that game a little bit harder. All that said, yeah, the matchup is pretty good for them if they can get a couple of quick scores. If they can get a couple of quick scores and put the game in Ryan Tannehill's hands where he's forced to drop back a lot and they either don't use, uh, you know, Dante Freeman or they don't use Derrick Henry um, on a regular basis and and pound Cincinnati, then I think that becomes a game. But if it's a slower game where Tennessee is, you know, it's a one-score game all the way and Tennessee is able to establish their running game, I think that becomes really hard for the Bengals.
0: For the Titans here, doesn't it just depend on if they get their star back, back, and get him healthy and he's 100%? Because if they've got him, then they're back to who they were when they, as PK say, they earned the number one seed. I mean, mm-hmm. credit them for holding on to it without him, but to think that they can win three straight playoff games with him at I mean, limited, in whatever fashion he's limited, whether it's conditioning or soreness or injury or re injury or whatever that that seems like a crazy thought but if he's a hundred percent they could do this
14: yeah i don't know look that's a tough foot injury to come back from a loose frank frank fracture um you know so we'll see uh on that one you know how much confidence he has in his feet because you know big a big guy's got to be have have that confidence to really put your foot in the ground and and you know, attack attack a, a defender. Look, but I thought Foreman was really good, right? Like, I, I don't think that that's necessarily their problem. I think their problem is if they like if, if Ryan Tannehill has to make too many plays, he's still just Ryan Tannehill. He's a really nice version of Rich Gannon. Um, like that—that's what he is. Um, you don't want to have to have him have to make five or six plays, you know, critical throws in a game. You want to reduce that down to two, three, maybe four big throws, you know, third and six, third and eight plays, you know, getting you out of bad field position so that, you know, you're, you're punting from, you know, when you have to give up the ball, you're not giving it up in in you know, mid feet at midfield, things like that. That's, that's the kind of thing I worry about with Tennessee more than anything else. Their defense, championship-caliber defense, no question. The coach, I mean, Rabel learned everything possible from Belichick in terms of game management that you, pop, that you could. And on top of that, he's a great communicator and has a vision for what his team should be, right? Um, so you have a, a really great up-and-coming coach. So all the pieces are in place for them, to win, with the exception of one thing. The quarterback's just he's a, you know, he's above average player and that's about it. I that's the best I can say about him. So I you know, that's where I think the liability comes in, uh for them. Because in the in the playoffs you need a combination of a great quarterback and a great coach generally to get you through it. They got one of those two, not not the critical one, the quarterback.
0: Jason, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming on and talking NFL playoffs this morning.
14: Anytime, guys. Be good. Enjoy it. Jason Cole,
0: longtime veteran NFL reporter, NFL Hall of Fame selector. Joining us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, coming up in a little more than an hour. we got more on the Jazz loss to the Lakers. Next, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
12: This is Hanson Scotty.
13: Let's do it.
12: Joining us now, David Cantor, agent for Eric Weddle.
13: Of all the players I've represented, I've probably represented 2,000 guys in the last 26 years. He was the most comfortable post-life of any guy I've ever represented. I can't stress this enough. He's never once said, hey, reach out to Sean and see what the Rams think. It was none of that. This was not initiated by us. This was not a desirous thing. Like, oh, man, I'd love to get a chance to win a ring again. Maybe we should sniff around some of the playoff teams. I did none of that. This is Eric Weddle loving his teammates, has unbelievable relationships. This is for the love of the game.
12: What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5-1280 The Zone, powered by kslsports.com.
0: Visit the Ford Fans Zone on level six at the next Utah Jazz game where there are free pop shot games, cornhole, and foosball tables. Enjoy incredible city and mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink, taking in the game, and socializing with friends. Quite soon in the morning for Jazz fans. How bad does it suck that the Jazz lost to the Lakers? Darren says it sucks, and it sucks even more when Clarkson, Mitchell, and Bogey go combined 0 for 18 from 3 for the game. We're not going to win many games doing that. Darren, you're right. The Jets will not win many games doing that. And they're o for 18. You can add in the 1 for 8 from Rudy Gay, that makes it 1 for 26, and that is just way too many missed shots.
5: Right. If those guys combine to make only one more three than Rudy Gobert, we're in trouble.
0: <laughs> An excellent point. <laughs> I like the math. When Can you remember that <laughs> when David Locke comes on? Hey, when uh, these four guys make one more three than Rudy Gobert, what happens? What's, what's the jazz record in those situations? Locke Lock will have the number. Just bam, bam. Uh, they're over. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was not,
5: not good. I mean, I'm not this basketball genius. and I never played the game. I never put my finger on the hardwood, never touched the leather. Uh, I, I just don't understand why you keep jacking them up if they're not falling.
0: And to your point, the Lakers, by taking nine fewer threes, create opportunities for a few more twos. And three or four of those go, and there's the difference in a six-point game. Most definitely.
5: Yeah, just it's I don't know. It's always baffled me. Maybe that's just me. I I don't understand it. What what's the story there? Yeah, I'm looking at the box score and the uh, audio played. Uh, That's why if you may have heard that, Uh, but yeah, it just it just it has always baffled me. But I guess that's who they are, and that's who they're going to be. And we can complain. I can complain. And I could be baffled all I want.
0: <laughs> it doesn't matter.
5: But it do- Yeah, you're right. It doesn't. Yeah. Is there anything they can do on nights when it's not falling? Because that is the nature of shooting. Now, you're not going to have a night like this very often or virtually everybody. Not every I mean you always said Conley and, and Joe were were good.
0: Conley, Joe and Royce O'Neill. Royce yeah. was uh three for five and Joe was three for six and Conley was five for nine. So those three guys are eleven of twenty, and you're gonna win a lot of games shooting fifty-five percent from three. But sure. The other but guys those, didn't have it going.
5: Those guys usually aren't gonna be in the top three
0: of FGAs. You know what I mean? You are correct. <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> Mitchell and Bogey are going to take a lot of shots. Yeah, that's how the team's built. That's what you expect, and and so is Clarkson. So I guess Rudy Gay's eight three pointers. You know, that's a little bit of an outlier.
5: But I think for Gay, for his minutes, I'd have to look. It seems like he shoots a lot for the limited minutes that he plays.
0: Mm-hmm. He did twelve I'm... shots in eighteen minutes. Right, but I'm I'm just talking all eight, the time eight three pointers. Right.
5: And, you know, they brought him in for that, and obviously he's better than that. And so he's a proven commodity. And so people worried about Joe shooting. I'm not worried about Joe shooting because he all of a sudden he didn't forget how to shoot. He, he, he didn't lose the skill of shooting. Some of them haven't been going in. But when he's only taken three or four, you can sort of live with that. But when you're taking so many high-volume possessions over the guys you just mentioned and they're not going in... Is there anything they can do differently? To me, especially Mitchell, you know, he's so good, right? Does he need to settle for eight three-pointers? Can he do some stuff to get closer? Because he is just massively skilled, right? Is there anything else that he could have done? Just say, rather than saying, hey, you know, we're not going to deviate, Long term from our plan, but this particular night we've got to win this ball game against this crappy team, and I'm not feeling it. Can you adjust? Then or am I just way off and saying you can't? I mean, he you was played six, the game, So he was think? six
0: for eleven on two pointers, right? You know. So I think the only way to really know this is to go back over the film, and you and I aren't going to do this because the game ended late and we went to bed, so we can be here early. But I am a hundred percent sure that Donovan and the coaches already have gone back and looked at those possessions and tried to figure exactly that out. How many of those eight were late in the shot clock They had to be taken? How many of them were wide open and had to be taken? And how many of them were a little contested, a little early in the clock, and, or maybe somewhere else in the possession There's a chance for him or somebody else to attack the basket? Because they got yeah. no problem with layups, dunks, and free throws. And Donovan, 11 two-point shots, he only got to the line once. That's not good enough. A
5: a player of his skill to only go one for one from the free throw line. Seems like there's some lost opportunities there.
0: Agreed. Your star players in the NBA need to shoot more free throws. And free throws are down this year because they're calling the game differently, but they're down for everybody, so the stars should still be shooting more free throws. And you look at the other team's box score and LeBron shot eight and Westbrook shot four and they have the name and the stature they should be getting to the line and they play a style of game where they should be getting to the line and they did now LeBron missed a bunch of them that was weird but he was four for eight at the line and but for me away with it.
5: I've grown a little weary of well you know we've got to be playing our best ball in April or May okay if you are playing your best ball and you get to the finals or even if you get to the Western Conference finals alright okay but if you don't, then we got to play our best ball in the spring. Rings hollow in the regular season, and then also too, you know, we got to look at the film. This isn't really, you know, college football or even the NFL, where you don't play that many games. And plus, it's harder to see on the sidelines, so you need to look at the film. That's why they got guys sitting, you know, uh, several hundred feet up in the press box. Can't you see it as it's happening? Do you need to look at the film?
0: As it's happening, I think as a shooter, you know when you're 0 for 8 from three. I think everybody knows that. Now to know what happened and where the opportunity was in the possession, some of the time you're going to know that. Maybe not all of the time, uh, but you're definitely going to know. I mean, shooters know when they're missing. There's it, no question about. Does that.
5: it destroy the coach? Does this coach destroy, destroy their confidence? He says, "Hey guys, maybe let's back off the three a little bit tonight."
0: That probably depends on the player and the situation, and we will ask. Let's get Riley on and ask him that. How to handle that delicately? All right, we got it. Uh, right now, we got uh, we got a question coming up in our next segment. Uh, there was an an injury. We will get into this. Uh, but whenever something this weird happens, you want to go nuts. Except, and this gets to your question, PK. Does it turn you into a hypocrite if you go nuts on somebody doing something stupid? And we got some funny stories, and we'll get to that coming up. DJ and PK, right now, time to welcome in Andrew once again from Wasatch Medical. And, Andrew, you got a breakthrough treatment. No pills, no injections, no surgery.
11: Yes, those are uh, three things men typically want to avoid if they're struggling with ED. If you're out there frustrated in the bedroom, Wasatch Medical Clinic, with this technology, the acoustic wave, We've helped a lot of guys. They come in a little bit frustrated. Uh, they, uh, this technology repairs the blood vessels. It improves circulation in this part of the body. And they get relief from the pill. The relationship is what uh, benefits. I'll tell you, you'll be amazed what can happen, not just in the bedroom, but life in general when we get your blood flowing properly.
0: What do patients tell you when they finish the treatments?
11: They tell us how, of course, the ED goes away. They don't, uh, they're not a prisoner to the pill and the timing of that. And then the relationship improves. Uh, I think that ED has a ripple effect. When things don't go well in the bedroom, uh, they don't go well outside of the bedroom. So we get that fixed, and what a stress reliever.
0: And you got a discount, a special offer for our listeners.
11: In time for Valentine's Day, guys. You'll be done with the treatments before then. Call us now if you're ready to regain your love life. Uh, You'll meet with our doctor. The exam assessment, even the blood flow ultrasound is free. And the gift, this is worth coming in even if you don't take treatments. It produces immediate results. And this part's pretty cool and valuable. Blood work and testosterone, that's free as well.
0: Guys, if you want to treat the root cause of the problem, give Andrew a call right now. Call Wasatch Medical at 801-901-8000. That's 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical Clinic. Call now. Regain your love life at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Homie. Finally, the way real estate should be. Full-service local agents and you'll save thousands. Homie, a better way to buy or sell. So, PK, Saturday. Yeah. That was a bizarro time. You heard a quote from Tommy Lloyd that caught your attention.
9: Oh, for the Ute game? Yes.
0: Yeah. Horsing around. What? <laughs> pre game meal? Yeah, yeah right? Pre game meal, right? <laughs> you guys giving piggyback rides to pre game meals? What are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. Details were sparse because I assume the details are embarrassing.
5: I guess so, yeah.
0: Arizona had a player miss the game against Utah, which didn't matter. Arizona won big. They're really good. But uh, he heard himself horsing around at the pregame meal. So, what have you done before we criticize someone else for doing something stupid and getting hurt? What have you done that was stupid and got you hurt?
5: The old fork in the eye always does hurt. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I've done some stupid things here recently. Just a few weeks back, I was in a golf cart with my wife, and I drive, right? And for some reason, I always have my left foot dangling. Well, we got paired up with a group ahead of us, or with us, I mean, and they parked their cart ahead of us. So we've got to drive around them, I think, to save time. I tried to drive around them to go to the red tees for my wife to hit, right? Well, my foot, my left foot was out and it as I'm going around to the right and their cart's on the left, my left foot hits their cart and bends uh, backwards. Uh, for a sec for a second there I thought I I thought I broke it.
0: Ah uh, it that sounds hurt awful. like a
5: mother. Yes, and I let out an obscenity. Uh, because it really hurt. I was panicked there for probably fifteen seconds, it's course it seems like five minutes, you know. But I smacked it. And it hurt so bad that I played... This was on, I think, hole eight. I played the rest of the round limping a little bit. And I was so grateful that it wasn't broken. And I will never... Man, I'm like Joe Ingles, man. I'll never get kicked out again. I will never have my foot out. And it wasn't the first time I was uh, I was screwing around in a cart. There was a time in Hawaii. It was about uh, 12 years ago and we went in the winter. And... I was texting a friend of mine that, haha, I'm playing golf in Hawaii in the first week of February and you're back home freezing your butt off. And I wasn't
0: looking and I ran into a tree. <laughs> Hold on, what? <laughs> you were texting while driving yeah, was, a golf cart and you ran into a tree. I did. <laughs> wow. I did. And I had to go back
5: and like put ice on my spine later. I thought I, I, really thought I hurt myself really bad. Yeah, I was taunting him, and I wasn't, I wasn't going super fast. I mean, you can't, you can only go so fast in a golf cart, on you know, battery powered ba- golf cart. And yeah, I ran into it. It wasn't a big full tree; it was like a stump.
14: Hmm. But
5: still, I ran into it, and it hurt the back of my neck.
0: Oh, uh, whiplash yeah. in the golf
5: cart. I know, totally, totally. So those are two stupid things that I definitely have done, and I've done, as, done them as an adult, not as a college kid taking a fork in the eye during a pregame meal.
0: When I was in college, the dumb thing I did, Thanksgiving weekend, my parents and my brother, I was working at the college radio station, and I, I think it was my junior year, and it might have been my senior year. And so uh, one of my brothers is away at college, and he was on the East Coast, so he didn't come home. So my parents load up my other brother, and they come up, and they stay in my apartment because all the roommates are gone. And my brother, uh, they just get there, and, and, and mom and dad, or I don't know, whatever they're doing there. And, and, and my brother is in, in my room, and he's sitting on one bed, and I'm sitting on the other, and he's got a football, and he flips it to me. So I catch it and flip it back, and we're talking about whatever, catching up. And each flip is a little, It has a little more spin or a little more arc on it. And suddenly, he throws it, and he hits the light in the room. And it's just a standard light fixture hanging in the middle of the room. And it breaks. And it doesn't break the bulb. It just breaks the fixture. The bulbs are fine. And so, as the glass is dropping to the ground, and it makes a loud noise. And, I mean, I'm looking right at it. I know exactly what happened. And the ball is dropping... For some reason, because my brain was telling me to catch the ball, I decide to reach through the falling glass and catch the ball. Now, I could have just sat on the bed, watched everything fall to the ground, and then laughed at him for being an idiot. Instead, I reach out through the glass. I catch the ball, but one of the last shards coming down sticks right in the back of my middle finger. So I go to rinse it out, and Mom sees what's going on, and she's like, "That's pretty big. That's going to need stitches." What were you doing? <laughs> My brother's like, "Well, believe it or not, we we were playing ball in the house." <laughs> so I end up in the emergency room. I need seven stitches, all because I just couldn't sit there and watch the ball fall to the ground. Totally stupid. And I Did you get scolded? ER. No, I was, I was old enough. I didn't get scolded. I just got a look. It's <laughs> past the scolding stage. But I, you you iced your back, but you didn't have to go to the ER, did you? No, nah, to go to the ER. I did not, no. I went to the ER when I was
5: a, a senior in high school. It was President's Day weekend. And I had, uh, it was a Sunday night, and uh, I had a couple friends with me. They were both females. One I totally had the hots for. One I'd actually took on a couple of dates before, uh, but there was really nothing there. And... Uh, so I was in my parents' head of station wagon, and I've told you this story. And uh, I took a turn, and they had some uh, Sprite bottles in the back. Mm-hmm. And it was dark, and I reached in and uh, to get them because they cracked. And I sliced my index finger. And, uh,
0: and I this is where my- the coach tells you the next day? <laughs>
5: Yeah, I go home that night. It's like uh, midnight. Wake my parents up because I can't stop the bleeding. I went to my friend's house. She tried to bandage it, but the bleeding just wouldn't stop. And I go home to my parents. They're they're of course. They're furious. What are you doing, you idiot? Uh, what'd you have to drink? Nothing. What'd <laughs> you have to smoke? Nothing. And it was true, true. absolutely nothing. Whew. Nothing. Yeah. And then I. We. It's baseball season, so we have practice the next Monday uh in february obviously in phoenix you're outside in february practicing and my, my fingers all bandaged up and i tell him the story i tell him and then uh, i tell the team the story and then he pulls me over to this side and he said hey you know in a few years after you've graduated and have gone on i want you to come back and tell me what really happened <laughs> and i was telling him gospel truth of what really happened <laughs> <laughs> But my reputation uh, preceded me there, <laughs> so we did have to go that night. Uh, this was like two in the morning, and uh, they had to. And you can still see a scar. Actually, it's right uh, where the nail uh, goes down the left side of the uh, right index finger. But fortunately, it was a recovery time that allowed me to play in the very first game, and so I mean, that's very important. You, you, I mean, you, you don't want to have a two thirty hitter drop out of your lineup.
0: Well, it's more the gold glove.
5: Yeah, I did have only three errors and 55 chances, one of which was a Baltimore chopper in Moon Valley's field, which facing west, and the sun got in my eye, so it really doesn't count.
0: I've still got the scar. Left finger, or left hand, uh, middle finger, there it is.
5: For me, it was more of the emotional scar that my coach didn't believe me on the story that I was telling.
0: <laughs> uh, we got some nominees coming in here from people who've done uh, stupid stuff. Uh Jack says, it just got done telling someone, uh, hey, it's slick out there. Be careful on the ice. Then I got out of the truck, did an unexpected break dance, fell on the ice. Ouch. I'm glad it was the other assistant wrestling coach that's seen it and not the whole team. That and mean. I also love that he texted, that uh, he put on a Facebook page here that seen it, not that I like, saw it. I
5: yeah. like the way you read it in Utah authentic style. Exactly.
0: I read yes. it as it was
5: written. You heard of you know, New York style pizza. Here it's Utah style English.
0: Glad it was the other assistant wrestling coach that seen it. Not the whole team. Three laughing, crying emojis.
5: Those falling on the ice things. Uh, we used to, when I went to NAU, uh, stayed in a Babbitt Hall, and it was right next to some uh, some classes, uh, classroom, a classroom building, and it would get icy, and uh, we would look out the windows, and particularly if it was a co-ed, because invariably, somebody would fall, and then we would giggle like it was the funniest thing ever.
0: <laughs> uh, and I don't think this is doing anything stupid to get hurt. There'd been freezing rain here a couple of years ago. I don't know, three, four years ago now. And I was coming home one night after working and got out in the driveway and straight to the ground. Boom! Down. But it was, I don't know if it was anything stupid. It was freezing rain. It was dark. I couldn't yeah, see gotta it. Yeah, you got to be and, careful. Yeah.
5: They would also, too, in the dorm, uh, there was a little front yard in the uh, little grassy area, and then there was a sidewalk. And to our right was a series of classrooms, right, class buildings of of, uh, classes. And so somebody uh, came up with the idea to put a line, a string out the window and put it in one of the trees and then put, like, uh, a snake or something, whatever, I forget what it was, and have it drop as a gal would be walking and mm-hmm. so then it would startle her right and then everybody would laugh ridiculously But you know when I mean, it was there and most of the people who went to NAU were from Phoenix So they weren't used to winter so you had to do things to entertain yourself and it was either that or do some stuff that can only be defined as debauchery and uh, Hence, I've got to get out of here. <laughs> it's All time right.
0: to leave NAU.
5: I'm <laughs> never gonna graduate. Yeah I think mean, I, I, the collective uh GPA of that second floor in that hole that year could not have been over two, unless there were just absolute geniuses who didn't need to spend time on schoolwork, and I wasn't one of them.
0: Samuel says, my son was showing off at school in front of the Army recruiters. He was deadlifting, but the Army guys were showing him a different way to do it, and my son, he dropped the weights on his foot. He didn't break anything, but it was a good thing the football season was over.
5: Oh, uh, yeah, when I was in high school, we were at a friend's house, and he had a set of weights, free weights, and I picked one up and uh, picked up a bar, and I went to move it, and I moved the right uh, end of the uh, bar right through a window. No! (laughs) Ooh. And and this guy, good friend of mine at the time, uh, his parents were older. He was way younger uh, last kid, his parents were way older than the rest of our parents, and he was so paranoid about everything that it was in the middle of the day, and he demanded that we get it fixed right then and there, right? Because uh, he, he wanted it done before his parents got home. Uh, and I thought it was a, it was a, you know, we were horsing around. And it's, it's not that big of a deal. And it wasn't like it was a huge picture window, but it nevertheless was a glass window. So we called a glass company to come out, and While we're waiting, the neighbors saw a hole in the glass and saw some people like myself that they didn't recognize. They call the cops. Yeah. So the cops show up. Hold on. Oh, no. (laughs) So it's in the middle of the day, and the cops show up. (laughs) Thinking that. Officers. We were going to bust into the home and ransack it. so I had to tell them no, here's what happened. And it was such a stupid story that the cops 100 percent believed it because it was true.
0: <laughs> well, a little detective work here. If you're, were you inside when you broke it?
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just well, saying they- had, had some weights inside the house. Right. And I went to pick up like a deadlift type of thing. And I picked it up and I went to move it and the right end of it. Smash through the glass window.
0: Then any yeah, broken, broken glass should be outside, hence, you could prove to the cops you were inside. If you're outside and you break in, the glass is going to, most of the glass is going to fall in inside.
5: I, yeah, I don't remember this situation. I just remember the cops showing up at the door. <laughs> uh, they didn't draw their guns. We didn't get arrested. We didn't get <laughs> handcuffed. Never been handcuffed. Just had to explain
0: my, the stupidity.
5: Yeah, a friend of mine once did in that situation. uh, uh, in high school, did get cuffed, taken to the ground, the whole deal, and it was a case of mistaken identity. Uh, he fit the profile. Yeah. yeah, And that, that was... I've never been in that situation. I've never been in jail or any of that stuff. Hopefully never will be. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So, it was just... The, the 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 friend of ours was so paranoid all the time of his parents i mean he just felt like he was in perpetual trouble if he jaywalked or something mm. I mean, he was he was paranoid he reminded me of you before long before i knew you
0: <laughs> i don't even know what that means <laughs> you got to know me and know me and then realize we weren't the same we weren't twins separated at birth <laughs>
5: Yeah, just I mean, the rest of us, like two or three others, I'm like, chill, man. It's just a little glass thing. We'll get it fixed, and he thought his parents Ugh. were just going to ground him for the rest of his life uh, or something. Something stupid.
0: I broke a window right in front of uh, mom once. Our our backyard uh, when I was in elementary school. The house we lived in then. It was uh, we were on a cul de sac, and so it's kind of triangular. And so we had been playing pickle, that kid's game, right? One kid's on a bag, there's two bases, and you try to steal a base and go back and forth while the other two guys are playing catch and you try to get in rundowns and all that. So a couple of the kids show up. So we decide, well, five's not really enough to play workups. I mean, it could be, but we were kind of bored with it. So we decided we were going to play pickle with three bases. How old were you? Uh, we, we moved out of that house in the 7th grade so my guess is we're all in elementary school we're probably 2nd, 3rd, 4th grade 3rd, 4th, 5th grade you know the kids in the neighborhood aren't all the same age but they're close enough and so there's, there's 5 of us and so we're playing this triangle in our backyard but w- this is where we were stupid yeah, the- but you're,
5: you're 10 years old Yeah, this is where you were 10 years old not where you were stupid
0: Okay, we still should have been able to figure this out. We put one of the bags in the corner right by the garage door and the sliding glass door that went into the dining room. Inevitably, a ball is not going to be caught and a window is going to be broken. Fortunately for us, we broke the smaller, less expensive window in the door that went into the garage. And mom was right standing right at the washing machine's and the ball literally <laughs> stopped at her feet. There was no need to ask what happened. Everyone's standing out there with gloves and the ball and a broken window. I think we know what happened there.
5: Yeah, but I mean the age. Come on. That 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 goes with the territory. We we bought a new uh patio set, had a big glass thing and, and a round circular table and we hadn't put it in and our kid thought he could put it in. He thought he was going to try to help us. Of course, he shattered it. I mean, he was like nine years old. I mean, it was, that just goes goes with the territory.
0: All right, here's the last one for you. This comes from Clint. We'll give him the last word on this one. Uh, so, based on Arizona, you know, losing a player in the pregame meal, <laughs> you ever do anything stupid to get hurt? Glenn says, "Yeah, my brother stuck a model rocket engine on the ground with no rocket, and it dang near took my ear off, ripped the lobe, and burned my face. Ouchie! Probably want to put the rocket on that uh, rocket engine, <laughs> direct that thing in the proper direction, straight into the sky." All right, DJ and PK coming up. The Jazz lose the NFL playoffs. A couple of surprises, a couple real predictable games as well. A couple dramatic finishes. Uh, we'll get to that coming up. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, is here at 9 o'clock. And so that is on the way. Also later this morning, and we'll do this at 9.30. Yeah, can you remember to do it at 9.30? 9.30, we give away the Jazz tickets. Got a pair of tickets to see the Jazz play tomorrow night. We'll give them away at 9.30. Andrew joins us right now from Wasatch Medical Clinic. He is back. And, Andrew, no matter how many times you tell guys, there's only a percentage of them that are willing to come in in the last week or two since you were on last time. But there's another percentage who will be willing to come in in the next week or two.
11: That's right. Uh, 70% of men with ED do not seek treatment. So, basically, the majority of guys that are frustrated in the bedroom, uh, this is affecting the relationship, Maybe you're embarrassed and do nothing. The problem gets worse and the relationship can be seriously negatively impacted. We have hope now. Wasatch Medical uses wave therapy. Men don't have to go to the uh, pharmacy. They don't have to get the pill. This technology delivers pressure waves into the blood vessels backed by pretty significant science. It opens up and regrows things and proves circulation enough. We can get rid of the ED and then the on-demand function, the spontaneity can be restored.
0: You've got uh, a lot of clinical studies backing all of this up now.
11: We do. We have uh, over 50 now posted at wasatchmedicalclinic.com regarding our exact specific technology. Cambridge, the Cleveland Clinic, they've studied it, showed it to be safe and effective. It's been called the new standard of care for ED. Uh, I think... It's so established the pill may someday be a thing of the past.
0: You got a special offer. If people call right now, how much money are you going to save them?
11: A lot, guys. We believe in delivering value. If you're ready to regain your love life or if you just want to improve in the bedroom, call us now. Uh, The exam, assessment, and blood flow ultrasound with the medical doctor. That's free. Uh, The gift that's worth the trip produces immediate results. And this part is cool. Blood work and testosterone. That's free as well.
0: Guys, if you want that special offer right now, call 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Andrew, and the folks at Wasatch Medical Clinic standing by right now to help you put a stop to your ED. 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys.
12: This is Hanson Scotty.
5: Let's do it.
12: Joining us now, David Cantor, agent for Eric Weddle.
13: Of all the players I've represented, I've probably represented 2,000 guys in the last 26 years. He was the most comfortable post-life of any guy I've ever represented. I can't stress this enough. He's never once said, hey, reach out to Sean and see what the Rams think. It was none of that. This was not initiated by us. This was not a desirous thing. Like, oh man, I'd love to get a chance to win a ring again. Maybe we should sniff around some of the playoff teams. I did none of that. This is This is Eric Weddle, loving his teammates,
12: has unbelievable relationships. This is for the love of the game. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSL Sports.com. DJPK, it's 97.5 at
0: 1280 The Zone. Brought to you in part by the folks at Davis Vision. It's a new year and time for a new you. Davis Vision can help you ditch those glasses or contacts with LASIK. Schedule your free consultation today and save $1,000. Call Robin today at 801-253-3880 or visit davisvisionmd.com and make sure you tell them that The Zone sent you. Another disappointing loss for the Jazz. They get beat in L.A. by the Lakers. The Suns win again. The Suns keep doing what they do, and they keep pulling away. Five and a half games in front of the Jazz. The Jazz drop into fourth place in the West, a game behind the Memphis Grizzlies. And, PK, they've talked a lot about winning the championship, and it's their time, but there have just been so many of these losses to sub-500 teams, and this is another one. Although it does get the Lakers right back at 500, but you get the point. These are not championship-caliber teams, and the Jazz are dropping games to them.
5: Will it come back to haunt them? Because if it doesn't come back to haunt them, who cares? But if it does, and I don't know that you can really tangibly say it, that it'll come back to haunt them. uh, Because if they win the first round, all right, they were going to get somebody really good in the second round anyway, right? So Mm -hmm. what difference does it make? I don't know that I can draw a direct line and say, yeah, losing games 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 against these crummy teams cost you this or that, and I can tangibly have an attachment to these losses and the negative result. I don't know that I can do that. It's murky, murky to me. Uh, certainly, it doesn't look like they're going to catch the Suns, so they're not going to have the best record. And what does that mean? I, I, it all flushes out in the postseason when that ball goes up. Game one of Game one, everybody is zero zero. You know. And what you do at that moment, are these things signs of what is to come? I'm surprised Phoenix is playing this well. They surprised me last year, and so far, again, they're surprising me this year. Maybe that's on me, and I just don't give them the respect that they deserve. That's my own issue with them. We'll we'll see, and maybe they'll be the best team, and they'll advance to the finals for a second straight year. Remains to be seen, but it's still kind of murky. Uh, I I was ticked this morning right off the bat. I was ticked watching the game. I just you know, to me, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and failing, and expecting different results. It's to, it's to watch them continue to jack up those threes in that ball game, and knowing that it's probably not going to go was just driving me mad, and it is the Lakers, and it does bug you when they lose to the Lakers. So you had all that, but now I've had some time here, an hour and a half or so, to sit back and think about it. And what does it all mean? I don't know what it all means. We'll we'll find out in three months.
0: Well, we know that if if Donovan and Bogey uh, don't score well, don't shoot well, uh, and, and those are not automatically the same things. There are certainly guys in the league that I think of that we think of as shooters and guys we think of as scorers. Those can be two different things. But when Mitchell, if you tell someone Mitchell's got thirteen points and Bogey's got five and the game is over, what do you think happened to the Jazz?
5: They lost <laughs> exactly. Okay, but if we get into the postseason and they're chucking up a bunch of bricks. It's going to bother me even more than it bothered me on uh, losing on MLK Day.
0: Well, there's a reason the phrase is live by the three, die by the three. And the phrase isn't quite as true as players shoot a higher percentage. I mean, it's still true. It just isn't true as often because you don't miss as many threes, so you don't die by the three as often. But they miss threes. They shot 26% as a team. And there were four guys who were combined, one for 26. And... To a certain degree, you are how you play, but those two guys, you know, Bogey and Mitchell, I mean, they are three point shooters, but I don't think, well, first off, I, I've never really thought of Mitchell as a shooter. I've always thought he was a scorer. He's got too, di- too many different ways to score. I think he's both. He has gotten to the point where you have to say that, because the three-point number has gone up. Bogey, I definitely thought of as a shooter when he got here, but we've seen him back guys down, get into the post, mid-range stuff, uh, drive and dunk and all that. And I don't know uh, because I didn't see a lot of him in Indiana, how much of that he's always had, how much of that he's been given the green light and been told, hey, you really have to emphasize this. We have to have. We have to be able to punish teams to put a smaller guy on you. Uh, Did you see him in Washington, though? No. Okay, well, you just singled out Indiana. I didn't see him until he came here on a regular basis. You can see an occasional clip or a highlight, but I it doesn't was tell you what kind of choices he made. That
5: he didn't back down a little bit more. Uh, because he's got that skill. He used it last year, remember? Yeah. They, they, he had some uh, like a prolonged shooting slump last year, uh-huh. it seemed. And it seemed like he was going to the basket more. And I was surprised in this circumstance. Why he didn't do it? I mean, the outside shot—it didn't fall. Okay, I can live with it. You're a proven veteran, and over time, it's going to fall more often, and you're going to be effective. That's why you're in the league, and and why you got the big money as a free agent. You got a lot of skill. You got size. You can, you know, you're not the best ball handler, but you you're good enough, and all that. So I can live with the outside shot not falling. But I was surprised for him why he didn't back down a little bit more because he's really good at that. And he did only go 0 for 4 from 3. So give him a little bit of credit there. It wasn't like he was 0 for 8 or 1 for 8 or uh, 0 for 6, Um, speaking of Gay, Clarkson, and Mitchell. uh, There wasn't a lot of firing it up, really, uh, in that way. But he's got that skill to get some easier points. And at least if you're not going to get the...
0: Field goals, then you can get yeah. the free throws. I think you know Clarkson did take the ball to the hoop. He does that a lot, and he didn't get those to drop either. I mean, the guy was two for seven on two pointers. I mean, he just couldn't get anything to drop. And I guess he his yeah, two but free I throws. Sti-
5: I would still want that if it's if it's not happening for you. Yeah. Try to do something else. I'm going to continue to hammer this. And this was an extreme example.
0: So <laughs> It was.
5: Maybe you just live with the extreme examples and don't make a big deal about it. But do you make a big deal about losing to all these sub-500 yes. teams?
0: Yes. Because if you're a championship team, regardless of how you're built and how you play in the Jazz case – You know, obviously, they're going to shoot a lot of threes. That's the plan. That's how they're built. That's why they acquired the guys they acquired, right? This decision started at the executive level and has been reinforced at the coaching level, and this is a skill set the guys have. But however you play, if you're a great offensive team, a great defensive team, you run more, whatever it is you do to be great, if you think you're a championship contender, you shouldn't have this long list of losses to these teams that aren't even mediocre. Well, the Lakers are mediocre. But they've been in a bad stretch and you've got two losses to the Pacers and a loss to the Pelicans a loss to the Magic a loss to the Pistons this Laker loss on top of it if you're a championship team you should be better than that. And But those losses are why they're fourth and not first. And Being first doesn't guarantee the championship and they proved that last year. But I think everybody would feel better about them if they'd won some of these games and if they weren't first or were at least second and not trailing the Grizzlies looking at a 4-5 series again.
5: Yeah, but is that what they were saying last year with the uh, Milwaukee Bucks?
0: Uh, probably. <laughs> I wasn't listening to Milwaukee Sports Radio, but there's a decent chance. Or maybe they didn't talk about the Bucks as much because they were talking about the Packers all the way into late January when they lost the NFC title game at home.
5: Yeah, I still think they are a title contender even with these losses. If you think otherwise, so be it and Joe You think these listen. are
0: the losses that force them to really grind, really stop glossing over details. All the details matter, all the little things matter. You're not who you want to be, so you got to push even harder.
5: I'm not sure I follow that. Re- elaborate.
0: If they were winning. I mean, they had flaws last year. But when you're winning, do you hold yourself as accountable? Do you push as hard to correct the small flaws the coaches can always find in the film over the course of a 48-minute game? As opposed to right now, are there jazz players saying, we have got to be better. This is, we have got to be better. Okay, but they're not better. <laughs> I know. You can say but whatever we'll, you want to say. I agree, they're not better. But it will, over the next two to three months, they have a chance to get better. I mean, we're probably, we're probably almost exactly three months away from the start of the playoffs. Right. So just yeah. because you're not doing it now, I mean, the 97-98 teams got to the finals. They didn't win the championship, but they're held up as the gold standard here because those are the two times the Jazz have been in the finals. And you can go back and look at those teams and find stretches in January where they sucked and didn't look like a team that was going to the like finals. Like this? Even though they ultimately
5: did. Well, we we know they wouldn't be a combined uh, one for twenty six. They
0: wouldn't, right?
5: Jerry they were. would have punched each of them in the face.
0: <laughs> it was a different era. But no, I think you can find stretches where they lost four out of five or five out of six. Doesn't
5: seem like that that's true. But you'll go back and look and prove me wrong. I,
0: I know it's I, I know it's true. Well, yeah, I can look I, it up I, again, I but I've looked it up before. You
5: and yeah. i've never looked it up nor am i ever going to look it up <laughs> cuz what the hell difference does it make 20 years ago what uh, what matters now i mean i'm just worried about this team and what they're my focus is on this team not what they did years ago cuz everything is different
0: the parameters are 100% different uh, so well you can just go back to last year and use the bucks as an example instead of the jazz the Bucks had stretches last year where they definitely were not crushing it, and they I definitely they did not look like a championship team. And yet they ended up being the championship team.
5: Well, they have the best player in the game, right? Once, once LeBron got eliminated, didn't, which was in the first round, you
0: right? got a you got a two time MVP there yeah, leading to the title.
5: And did the Jazz have that?
0: No, they do not have a two time MVP.
5: They have yeah, they have a, a top five player in the game.
0: Jazz fans would like to say yes, and when he's in a good stretch, we like to discuss it, but the answer is no. They haven't had that, and I don't think they're going to have it this year. Neither neither Rudy nor Donovan has been named All-NBA first team.
5: Yeah, Rudy defensively obviously is, yeah. but his complete game isn't. Uh, you know, at best, if, if you're going to look at people – And maybe it's somewhat of a popularity contest. But if you're going to look at start taking centers, I think at best he can can do is third. Because I think they're going to go with Embiid and Jokic. And you can flip-flop those. I'm not giving you any particular order there. Uh,
0: So Uh, That's exactly how it worked out last year. Jokic was the MVP. Right. And Gobert was third team behind Jokic and Embiid. Right. So he's going to be slotted in
5: a third team there because those other two... Uh, although may not be as good defensively, are substantially better offensively. Okay,
0: but that wouldn't necessarily have to matter in the playoffs. Both those teams could get eliminated. They both, obviously, the Nuggets have major injury issues. You may not face them in the first round. They get knocked out by somebody else, and so that doesn't matter. Well, yeah, it, and, well and it being in Philly, I'm, similar.
5: Yeah, but my point is that they don't have a top five player in the league.
0: Yeah. Not whether they're going to beat. Not them whether them they in the have the MVP. Uh,
5: and now, I'm they beat him in the playoffs two years ago, but yeah, I don't know that they're even gonna play each other this year and that that's the thing that uh that it's a it's a like a two edged sword thing. The standings don't worry me as much, but at the same time they frighten me.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wait what <laughs> Okay, I'm I'm more confused by that but than I am by the three point shooting.
5: Because of the fact that The potential of guys coming back who have not played at all, in the case of Murray, Kawhi Leonard, or in the case of Paul George, uh, Anthony Davis, guys have been out for a good while. If they're healthy, well, then these teams at the bottom could look substantially different and better. So what difference does it make in terms of all right if I finish 3rd or 4th I'm mean, just looking at the first round here yeah uh you're going to get maybe you get a team that's injured but if you don't then they're going to be really good so does it matter if you're second third or fourth and and plus two if you're you could you could end up being second and get the Lakers since they're the most recent example and Davis is back And, you know, some of the role players, Reeves and these guys have fit in. They could be dangerous. So do you – would it be better if you got uh, the sixth-place team – rather than the seventh place team, you know what i mean? because we I do, don't we right. don't really know. The sixth so place team. I'm not team. concerned, yeah. but at the same time I have a potential to be frightened.
0: Yeah, the seventh place team may not be the seventh best team when we get to the playoffs, and you may want no part of them because they're the team. I really think of all the teams you mentioned, the Lakers are the one most likely to do that. AD has the injury that is I think, the easiest to come back from. He's the guy who's going to miss the least time. I'm not convinced Kawhi's coming back at all.
5: Yeah, but the Jazz lost to him without him in, in right. some of the You're games. Right. So does that matter even anyway?
0: But I also think that we're getting to a point in, with the Jazz as far as the age of the team and the experience of the team where championship or bust, and if you can't buy into that, at least Western Conference Final or bust – and yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Right now, you're going to have to play the Suns or the Warriors no matter where you finish. You're going to end up in the second round playing one of those teams, and they don't look like they're good enough to beat those teams right now. Now they're literally going to play these teams coming up in another week. So mm. we'll get a little bit of a measuring stick there, and the Warriors are literally. healthy. Draymond Green is out. But if they're not, I think most of his fans are going to, if you can't beat the Suns or Warriors, you're not getting out of the second round. And we've seen that movie, and that makes fans as frustrated and angry as losing to the Lakers again. And you're right, they could face somebody who knocks them out in the first round. But they've got to be a lot better if they're going to take down the Suns or Warriors in a seven-game series. True. And they got three months to get better. So, get better, because there have just been too many of these losses, teams that are 500 or much worse— I mean, you've you've lost four times to the bottom three teams in the East.
5: I don't think they need to be better. I think they need to play to their capability.
0: And be more consistent? I can buy that. Yeah. Yeah, I can buy that. Because when they have played very well, they have looked a part of a championship team. Right, right. They look like a real contender when they play well. But there are too many nights. You just can't be losing four games to the bottom three teams in the East. That's not okay. (laughs) <laughs> we just can't gloss over that. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, the zone. The NFL playoffs. We're almost halfway through them. One round, six of the 13 games in the books. We'll get to the surprises next. Stay with us.
12: Lineup is here up, up, with the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10, followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hanson Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6, live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.520. 1280 The Zone, powered by KSLSports.com. And now, your
3: Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of
12: the weekend.
3: they got to get up and clock the ball. Five, four, three, two. Dak, will will
13: he get it off in time? No. With one second to go, did he spike the ball in time or not? No, he did not. He did not. The 49ers have won the game. What do you got, Alex Kemp? Did he spike it in time? That's the end of the game. The game is over. The 49ers have won. They're on their way to Lambeau. Oh, my goodness.
0: There's the Chevy Strong play of the game. The most dramatic finish of the first week of the NFL playoffs. Know it today, 450, unrivaled, and you can win fabulous prizes. PK, that was the most dramatic game. The other really competitive game was the Raiders and the Bengals. I expected both of those games to be very competitive. The game, I thought, had a chance to be competitive and ultimately ended up being the biggest blood I've ever seen. I don't ever remember seeing a team, and you can go back to any of the great offenses in the NFL, never face a fourth down in a game. Not one time. Didn't have to punt, didn't have to kick a field goal, didn't have to go for it on fourth down. You get the ball, you go down the field, you score a touchdown. You stand on the sideline until you get the ball back. And then you run out there and you go down the field and you score another touchdown. I thought the Bills were going to win, but I thought it would be competitive. And that was... Unbelievable. I've never seen a team trash like that. And no matter what you think of Mac Jones, rookie quarterback, what's his ceiling, how good can he be, how fast do you expect him to develop and all that, this, was, this wasn't the story of the game. The story of the game was the Patriot defense being helpless.
5: Yeah, and Jason Cole said he wasn't surprised. I was surprised to the level. But at the same time, this is what I expected of the Bills in the preseason. I thought they were the runaway winner in the AFC East and they put together a whale of a game, man. They looked absolutely awesome. I gave up on the game. I mean, it was such a big blowout, and, and we had basketball to watch on, on Saturday night. So, uh, you know, I went towards that, and BYU was playing at 9 o'clock and all that stuff. And uh, I was surprised, but at the same time, this is what I think they're capable of doing. I think they, they've got a lot of weapons there, and uh, we'll see. Because yeah, I, I thought that they were, they were a favorite, not the favorite necessarily. I don't know that I had... I guess maybe the Chiefs were the favorite to go to the the Super Bowl in my mind. But I put them up there. I put them second. I put them ahead of Tennessee. Now, Tennessee ends up with the one seed. But as I said the other day, it seems like nobody talks about Tennessee as a legitimate number one seed. And if they're looking for motivation, I'm sure if I feel it sitting out here in Utah, that they should have a, <clears throat> an acknowledgment of it where they are, too. So we'll see how they do as far as that goes. Can they live up to that? Uh, If not, man, you like KC. They've been good for a number of years, and then the Bills are a rising team.
0: Why did KC struggle so badly for five possessions? They had three punts and two turnovers. Now, when they get it together, they look like they can win the Super Bowl again. But you wonder if they're playing somebody else. Are they in a 14 or a 21 nothing hole, and then they're really pressing? It's 7 nothing. you're not pressing. There's so long to go in the game. But you get down two or three scores early, will they be able to come back? I mean, they, they looked really vulnerable until they looked awesome, and it's really bizarre to deal with a team that seems to change that quickly.
5: Yeah, I mean, that's who the, they've been. Wasn't that is two, who they've two been this year. I mean,
0: two years ago. Though, no, they, the, the – was, was it, it was Houston Texans yeah was it Houston yeah got them 24 nothing, and they came yeah, back and they, won the game
5: and it looked like they were going to get blown off the field yeah. and they came back and won the whole thing
0: all right, more on the NFL playoffs coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, is going to join us in our next segment. And at 9.30, we're going to give away tickets to see the Jazz play the Houston Rockets. So stick around for that. We'll have the Jazz tickets coming up in half an hour. Right now, Andrew joins us from Wasatch Medical Clinic. And, Andrew, I guess it's good that everybody doesn't come in at the same time to see you because you just you can't handle everybody at once.
11: That's right. Although some days are crazy here, a lot of guys struggling with ED and word is spreading that men, you may not have to take the pill anymore. You may not have to go to the pharmacy. Uh, We do a few 10 minute sessions with our acoustic wave therapy. And this is according to Cambridge. It can get rid of the ED. It repairs the blood vessels. Uh, One of the leading causes of ED is damaged blood vessels maybe by the way we eat and live, and restricted blood flow. That's what our treatments reverse, and more blood flow in the bedroom, that's a great thing. Who doesn't want more of that? Uh, we've helped a lot of guys get their love lives back on track.
0: And you've got the research to back it up. There is uh, plenty of proof. I don't know what's more compelling, the stories you hear from patients or the, uh, the clinical studies you're, uh, you're reading.
11: Yeah, those are two strong points. If you go to wasatchmedicalclinic.com, there are 50 third-party studies, uh, none of which came from us. They came from colleges, universities, hospitals. Uh, This is pretty heavily vetted technology. It's been shown to clinically increase blood flow. It's safe and effective for ED. It only takes a few treatments, guys, 10 minutes a piece, and you can get the spontaneity back.
0: And you got a special deal for the, you know, there are a lot of reasons people don't come in. And for some people, it really is probably just financial.
11: Yeah, that's right. Uh, You can come in and just ask questions, get analyzed. The doctor will do a blood flow ultrasound. It's totally free. Uh, Call us now and a gift that produces immediate results in the bedroom. You'll love that. And this part, quite valuable, frankly, blood work and testosterone, that's free today as well.
0: You can call right now and get that special offer. Call 801-901-8000. You can address the root cause of the ED problem at 801-901-8000. Call Andrew right now and get that discount at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. DJ and PK in the morning proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. It's time to welcome in our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. His weekly interview brought to you by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. Steve, good morning. Good morning, fellas. Steve, it's a good morning if you're a BYU basketball fan fired up by a come-from-behind win. On the road at USF that went right down to the buzzer. It is not a good morning if you're a Jazz fan and you just watched them lose to the Lakers. Which game would you prefer to discuss first? Because ultimately, we're going to talk about both of them.
9: You know, let's talk about BYU for a minute. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's a fun group to watch, and you're right, it was a big win. Uh, and I, I think a couple things happened on that trip. First of all, playing Gonzaga, you know, you, you'd think if you put up 80 some points, you, you'd be in a competitive game, but Gonzaga shot. Like 60 60 percent in that game, and just was incredible. Uh, but that being said, the uh, Loner kid, I think this is a big, big weekend for him. I I have been waiting for this young man, Caleb Loner, to to kind of make a mark and and find his place with his team. He's got, he's athletic. He can shoot it. He's got good feel for the game. And he goes 17 to five against Gonzaga, and then makes some big baskets at, at San Francisco. Uh, i I think that would for me, he's gonna really help BYU going forward. It looked like he had the confidence. Uh, Barcello obviously receiving lots of accolades around the country for how well he shoots the ball, how well he runs his team. But it is a team that's really connected defensively. Um, and even though Traore and and Gideon George and Atigi, you know there's not you know there's not a lot of a lot of size. I and mean, they lose two bigs it, it hurts obviously. But at the end of the day, I think defensively, this team is just rock solid. I mean, they're just playing so well. And you always kind of like to go small anyway. And they're having to go small. It gives them a little more flexibility. But everybody seems to be clicking. I I see them going to the tournament. We've talked about this before. Uh, I still think it's going to be a chore to win the conference. But uh, beating USF there was a big win. And... You know, it's maybe a year where they only have a, a two or three losses at a max uh, in conference play. So fun to watch. I, I don't watch all the time, watch all the games, just because of circumstances. And I actually watched both the BYU games. And I, I think defensively, they were just so good that uh, they made timely big baskets when they needed to. And uh, San Francisco – kind of helped him. I mean, you, <laughs> you got nine or ten seconds to go, and Boyer ends up taking down a contested 26-pointer, 26-foot shot. That that didn't make my sense, because San Francisco still had a chance to get into overtime, but they didn't, but congrats to BYU. Just really guarding, playing connected, together, tough, tough group of guys, and uh, fun to watch play. All right, so
5: tell me I'm stupid and you've got no problem telling me this, What when I watch Holmgren... At his stage, I see a little bit of Garnett, I see a little bit of Durant, and I see a little bit of Nowitzki.
9: I mean I, I, I like your, your analysis there. Uh, you know you, I've watched him two or three times, and uh, you know, obviously, it, and his, there's an adjustment, and, and it's not like I mean getting into conference, the, the level of competition won't be what it, it, it has been. I mean, they played quite a tough preseason. Uh, yeah, he's got a big time ceiling, man. I'm, I'm telling you right now that he's so long and and he's more athletic than he looks and he's got a good feel for the game. I mean, he's going to get stronger and he's going to get more comfortable. And, I, you know, he's he obviously he's probably going to be a pro next year. And when he gets into that environment, I, I, I think he – you know, you, you can see him. You, at times he looks awkward and he's not in the right spot. But then you see moments and go, whoa down the road, this kid's going to be a really good player. And, uh, but he's, for Gonzaga, you know, to have Timmy and to have him inside and, and two very different post guys. But I, I could see Holmgren being a guy like Mobley, you know, too, where he, he spends time out on the perimeter and he perfects that three-point shot. And, uh, but he is long and talented. And, uh, you know, watching that Gonzaga, you know, I didn't know a lot about their teams, but the, the six five point guard. Uh Nimrod, Uh wow, he's real I, I thought they lost a little bit when they lost the guards from last year, but that guy stepped in and, and gave him twenty-two and twelve. And, um that's a nice, that's a fun team to watch. And uh and I and I really did feel like BYU played well against them, but Gonzaga's just that good.
0: So more impressive, Gonzaga with three straight games with sixty point first halves, three points a minute, or the Buffalo Bills never having a fourth down against the New England Patriots. More overwhelming offensive performance.
9: Yeah, you know what? Everybody here in the San Joaquin Valley is kind of pulling for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the quarterback there is from Fireball, which is a small little town in north of Fresno that nobody's ever heard of, and he ends up going to Reedley Junior College and then ends up going to Wyoming. So uh, the, the Buffalo Bills are high on everybody's list in Central Valley right now.
5: I'm going to throw a name at you from the past that few remember, Traore, Celeste Rivers. You think it's an yes. accurate comparison?
9: Yes, yes. Traore's even got more bounce. Those two dunks, those little sneaky dunks he yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's all of a sudden, boom! It was so quick. But no, somebody asked me that the other day, and I, I, I agree. It, it, it kind of reminds me of watching Celeste Rivers, and uh, and and this kid has even more toughness. I mean, my goodness, and explosive hops. But he, they have very similar games. Uh, I think Priori has a, a, a bigger upside because he's just so explosive. And, uh, and I've never seen anybody get two quicker dunks than he did on rebounds. And uh, But, yeah, I, li- I like that comparison a lot.
0: So the Jazz lose to the Lakers, a 500-Laker team. And this game just adds to a list, the Jazz have four losses to the bottom three teams in the East. What do the Jazz have to fix so that they go into the playoffs and Jazz fans feel good about their chances? Because I don't think any Jazz fan waking up this morning is feeling good about them.
9: <clears throat> no, because uh, you know, Memphis is going to take their place in that third spot, it looks like. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, you know, I watch, and I don't have a chance, like you all, to watch all the games. <clears throat> and I do get bits and pieces. But I watched the whole Jazz game yesterday. And I have a love-hate relationship with the Lakers, who have always kind of been a team that, growing up in L.A., I mean, I, I, it, I can't stand being a Laker fan. I, I can't stand how they play. Uh, it, it, everything's so static, and you just wouldn't want me to go off the Lakers. But here, here we go. We got them playing the Jazz. and <clears throat> I didn't realize before I started watching the game that the Jazz had been on the road for it seems like a month or so. So I think some of it had to do with the fact that they've had seven of eight on the road. But for me, watching them last night, nothing was north-south. There wasn't <clears throat> a lot of movement. And it, it, it just, they just, they seemed like they shot a lot of contested shots. They couldn't get to the glass. And they looked tired, to be honest with me. I, I, I had not seen them play a lot, so I, I, I will admit that first lately. Uh, I follow the scores, but I'm looking at that game and just – I mean, Mitchell was just like non-existent. He he just – he wasn't – he didn't even have a presence in the game. And he always has a presence in the game. So, you know, I think part of it is the fact you've been on the road for a couple of weeks and you're just tired. And hopefully they'll get through this. But you're right. There were some bad losses to some not-so-great teams. But I think what I've watched during this year with all the COVID issues – and watching all the changes and lineups changing that uh, even though we may not know their names, if you're in the league, you you know, guys that play in that league are all pretty good players. And a lot of them just given the opportunity with the right attitude and the energy, uh, that's how upsets take place. But there's a lot of really good players in this league that none of us have ever heard of. And every night there's a new guy that steps up and has a big night. But the Jazz didn't have a lot of energy last night. They just settled for shots. Um, and, and that being said the Lakers gave them every opportunity to get back into the game time and time again and, and so it, w- it wasn't like they just quit but I just felt like the Jazz lacked energy They there was no really attacking the rim uh, it, it just they just seemed a little listless to be honest with you and I think that probably has more to do with being on the road for a week and a half and playing away from home but they they certainly were not connected last night, and they didn't shoot the ball well. Mitchell goes 0 for 8 from the three. Bogdanovich is one for nine. Uh, Clarkson, I mean Clarkson, struggled. You know, at six points. Uh, you can't you can't win anywhere at 37 and 27 percent shooting threes and shooting two point field goals. So uh, I, I suspect it'll be good for him to go back home and play the Rockets and the Pistons. But I, I was looking. Last night, I was just kind of looking at everybody's schedules. And they got to go play at Golden State, at the Suns, back home with the Suns, and then play Memphis on the road. So they're going to need to get their act together really quickly here, get the rest they need, get refocused, because, uh, yeah, I, I think they're going to win the next two ball games. Hopefully I'll will give them some confidence. But they've got to go out and have five or six really tough tests in a row. And uh, so... I've seen the Jazz play so much better, and so do you. But last night, they just didn't seem to have their legs. And uh, it it just – there wasn't a great deal of energy. I don't think I'm going to, you know, focus so much on that game as I am. What's going to happen when they get back home, get some rest? And and really, what I'm going to watch to see is how they match up with the Suns. And Golden State and Memphis, because that's going to decide whether they're going to have a chance to be a second or a third place team, or more like a fourth or a fifth. More than likely, the Jazz are probably pretty locked in. I mean, Dallas is one; they've started got it going and stuff. But I think I think still the Jazz are going to be one of the top four teams. But right now, they could, you know, they they could drop if they continue to play this way. But uh, yeah, I love Memphis, so I'm, I'm kind of on a Memphis kick right now. After going and seeing them play in person the other day, uh, I really like that team. And uh, and they play with great energy and great purpose. And you got young guys that are getting after it, and the Jazz aren't that young. And so they, they're usually connected and they're usually together. Uh, let's hope they get that thing turned around quick.
5: As a coach, how do you handle it when guys aren't shooting well and maybe you question their shot selection? Uh, can you say, hey, that's not the best shot in terms of confidence can be fickle with shooting? So from a coach perspective, what's the best way to go about it when guys aren't hitting their shots?
9: You know, I, I, watching a lot of film helps, I think, uh, because you can, you can just see tendencies. But I think one of the things you just mentioned that is, is, is taking contested shots early in shot clocks or, you know, whatever the circumstances are. And sometimes, you know, it's just the circumstances. You get the ball late in the shot clock and you got to shoot it. But I, I think that one, that's one of the things I just can't stand about the Lakers <laughs> is, is they're always shooting contested shots, and a lot of that deals with there's not a lot of movement. And 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 I, that's what I saw kind of last night with the Jazz. There, there wasn't the kind of movement – and so a lot of things will be like, hey, are we moving uh, – collectively as a team, are we moving without the ball? Are we making sharp cuts? Are we coming off the back screens, the front screens, all the down screens, everything we're doing? You know, how is that – what's that look like? Okay, well, we're doing those things. Okay, so let's, let's take a look at mechanics. And, and But I like to watch film because film doesn't lie, and you, you have an opportunity to kind of – okay, those weren't good shots you know, they, they, that there was a better shot. And usually the Jazz are a one more in another, you know. I mean, they're very unselfish, but last night they just settled. And they settled and took a lot of contested shots. The other thing is, you know, and, and in the NBA, they've got so many coaches. But just taking the time to, to competitively shoot in a gym. As a head coach in college and in junior college and even high school, I, when, when my better players were struggling, I had to work them out and just have an opportunity. Now the pros have so many good coaches and that's probably not a need for the head coach to work with them. I, that's what I did. And I guess I wanted to not only just help them physically, but let them know, you know, mentally that listen, you can do this, that you're, you're a good shooter and, and focus on the positive and then watch film of them making shots. And, and one of the things I know as a player, I always wanted to try to get to the free throw line or I wanted to get to the rim and score early to get the confidence because the basket got a lot bigger. And if your first three or four shots are threes and you're not close, all of a sudden it gets in your mind. And I don't care who you are. uh, It's one of those things, how great you are. The mental part of shooting is a significant thing. And it always helps yourself if you can get to the free throw line or get to the rim and and get that confidence, especially when players are struggling with confidence. And I, I can't imagine that McDonovich or Mitchell or Clarkson, I, I think they get through this and they'll be you know, it, it may be as simple as one game and they can get it turned. But those are things that I would do when and, and these guys are pros, they all have their own coaches and shooting coaches. But I, I I promise you that they're all gonna be getting shots up today and and wanting to get that groove back and get it back where the ball needs to be and film can show a lot. And at that level, man, they got so many analytics and technology that they can help there, but a lot of times just getting in the gym and taking it. But if you're always taking contested shots and you're taking, you know, land and that's not a that's not a jazz you know, that's not something that the jazz do. They're they're not a team that takes a lot of contested shots you do or forces shots. It's always one more and it's inside out and create space. I didn't see much of any creating off the drive and kicking and one more. Everything was kind of static and stationary last night as I watched
0: that game. The Athletic has a story that says the headline, Sources, Lakers coach Frank Vogel's job in serious jeopardy despite Jazz win. Bill Orham and Sam Amick are uh, the two guys who wrote it. We know Bill because he wrote it at the Tribune. Uh, they point out that uh, Vogel only got a one-year extension in the offseason, which was an, kind of an awkward compromise. It's a 500-team now. Man, when you hear that, you're a coach. I assume you're going to side with Vogel and say, this roster has obviously got holes in it, and they've dealt with multiple injuries to star players. What in the world are they firing the coach for? Now, they haven't. Thinking about it is different than doing it, but as a coach. Yeah, there
9: doesn't seem to be any fairness in that at all. And, and, you know, know, might as well make LeBron the coach, right? Mm (laughs) You know, because that seems kind of what's happening anyway. But it, it, and you know, I watched Coach Vogel. I when when I lived in Indiana and, and Paul George was there, we were serving a mission back there. I went to a couple of games and I actually got to meet him and 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 watch their teams. And and I, I don't know who the best coach is for this, but man, when you look at all the circumstances, you know, you mentioned the injuries, and you know, I don't I don't think he put that. I don't know. Maybe maybe he did have a, a lot of responsibility in putting that team together. But man, there's a lot of gaping holes, and there have been injuries. But but it's a team. For, to me, the, the most the thing that bothers me most about the Lakers is 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 just the lack of movement. It's so static, and it's just one on one. Everything's one on one, and they are solid defensively. They showed that last night. They can play defense, but it's hard to play defense and make baskets when you're always behind. And and their shot selection is not great all the time. And, and there were good things last night watching, but I've watched them enough to know that. They take way too many contested shots. They're not solid defensively. Um, and they've got some weaknesses. So I guess that in, in today's world, the first guy that goes is the coach. But I, I don't think there's any fairness in that, considering the injuries, considering protocol. This is not the time to be firing coaches. I, I don't know what, how things are going to change if the guy next sitting next to him is going to now be the head coach. I just don't see that. I don't think that's the issue. And I don't think it's going to solve their problems. Um, and I, I still believe if, if the Lakers were to do some things differently offensively and, and, and guys get healthy and get on protocol and Anthony Davis actually could get back to where he's playing. I, you know, I, I was a big proponent of Anthony Davis playing the five. And, and I still am to a certain degree. I, I believe it, it causes double teams. But if, if you know the problem is you got guys who they spent 90 million dollars on Horton Tucker who's shooting 24 percent from the three, and 40 percent from the two, and the rest of the shooters are so up and down. Now Monk had a good night, uh, you know. Kate Ellington will have. You know, there's no consistency with their shooting, and, and so they're going to immediately double Anthony Davis every time he gets the ball because they can leave guys that aren't shooting well. If the Lakers could put somebody on the floor, get four guys on the floor, they could shoot it. Anthony Davis would be a perfect five because he's hard to guard because he can take and step out. He can do so many things. Uh, well, the way things are right now, maybe he just better, maybe you're better off just getting them on the perimeter and taking elbow shots and taking threes and getting something out of them. But, but uh, I, I just don't like the guys they surrounded. It. It's forced Anthony Davis to, uh, not, I mean, he, Anthony Davis, even though he's, I think he's still averaging 23 or 24 points a game, but if you take enough shots and you're as big as he is, but I, this is not a coach problem. This is the organization of a team, and you brought all these guys in, and it's taken a long time. Do I believe a month from now or two months from now they could get it together and get going? I do, but I don't think it's there to win an NBA championship. I don't think they can get out of the West uh, anyway, I think the Suns and Golden State and Memphis uh, are going to have home court advantage. They're going to be playing on the road more. Uh, the Laker fan in me from years past, yeah, I'd love to see them figure it out. But uh, Byron, Coach Vogel, that, that doesn't make sense. What they do at the end of the year, but who who are they going to get through? It's just, there's, not an a- there's not an answer to that question. The guys sitting next to him or two guys down, whoever that coach is, is going to have a different relationship. LeBron James is the coach of this basketball team. He, I, he's been probably very involved in bringing these guys in. He, on the floor, they kind of have a system, but it's real simple. But LeBron makes a lot of dis- It appears from the outside that Le- this is LeBron's team, and it's really hard to coach and play in the game at the same time, and that's part of the Lakers' problem.
0: Steve, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you again next week.
9: All right, guys. Have
0: a good one. See Steve you. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, brought to you by Mountainland Supply. Time right now to welcome in Andrew from Wasatch Medical Clinic, a breakthrough treatment. No pills, no injections, no surgery. Most of us are trying to avoid pills, injections, and surgery, so this works out well, Andrew.
11: Yes, it certainly does. Uh, when a man gets ED, you know, I'm yet to talk to anybody that says, I love the pill, I love going to the pharmacy, I love side effects, I love the lack of spontaneity. Uh, well, you may not have to do any of that anymore. With acoustic wave therapy at Wasatch Medical, the two most advanced versions, these, uh, this technology opens up and regrows the blood vessels with gentle pressure waves. It improves circulation enough that uh, we can get rid of the ED. We've helped so many men with just a few treatments, by the way, get their love lives back on track and get rid of the pills.
0: So does it amaze you that guys are still reluctant to come in or you just accept that that's part of the deal now?
11: Well, I think it's just part of the deal. There's so many guys out there uh, that, you know, are hesitant. They're embarrassed. They don't want to do anything. But I'll tell you, we're getting the word out. The conversation is, is uh, there's more of it out there now. Guys are more comfortable And they tell us once they go through the sessions, that was a lot easier than they thought.
0: You got a special offer for people who want to save some money and figure out if this works for them. You've got the deal for them right now.
11: We do. If you are ready to end your ED, guys, if you want to regain your love life or just improve frequency, we do a lot of that here. Call us this morning. The exam, assessment, blood flow ultrasound with the doctor. It's free. The gift, uh, you'll love this, produces immediate results. And this part, really valuable, blood work and testosterone, that's free as well.
0: Call right now at 801-901-8000. You can address the root cause of the problem with AD 801-901-8000. Call Wasatch Medical Clinic now and regain your love life at 801-901-8000. Thanks, Andrew.
11: Thank you.
12: This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. Trevor
0: Allen, of course, covers
1: the youths for KSLSports.com. Talk about your reaction. Quinton Ganther getting the gig. I think it's a good thing for Utah.
13: That was the only name that, that really came to mind as someone who could come in and, and really pick up with, with what Coach Mack did his, in his time here at, at, at Utah, and that's to be able to, to continue to bring in top running back talent, develop the guys that are in here, and send them off to the NFL. And Quinton can do that.
12: here Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from 10 to noon on 97. 7 5, The Zone Powered by KSLsports.com. Sports.com
0: 9 a.m. Slacker Radio Headlines are brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners Call Lee's now for their $59 furnace tune-up special or visit them online at Lee'sHeatAC.com We promise tickets at 9.30 so at 9.35 we deliver tickets Ah, it's close enough. You don't need them until tomorrow night. Jazz and Rockets tomorrow night. I assume we're going to have more tickets tomorrow. Yuck shrugs. Well, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. I wake up and, and then PK says, I know. well, if it's maybe, then obviously it's maybe not. What we know for sure is two tickets right now. Caller 12, 855 zone 855-340-Zone. 855-340-ZONE. Call right now. Be caller 12. And you're going to see the Jazz and the Rockets tomorrow night. And listening to Rudy talk about that fourth quarter and what went wrong, PK, for all the shooting woes and all the troubles, they had the lead after three quarters. What can you do to negotiate the final 12 minutes what Magic Johnson used to call "winning time."
5: Well, you can get a player of the caliber of Magic Johnson on your team.
0: <laughs> okay, good. Hey, okay. Someone give me one of the <laughs> one of the all time all timers. You know, when you go to the Hall of Fame, the guys are on the top shelf. Those guys.
5: Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, I actually thought they had that game. You know, when they went I up by too. ten, I, I thought 10. all right, they're just gonna not necessarily cruise, but they're gonna win the game. So it was surprised me because the Lakers aren't good. Uh, but they got it going on some of their guys you know, and that, that, that's the essence of the NBA. if you look at it singularly, uh, I can accept it to a degree because guys are gonna get hot they're gonna get out hot at home they can be a front runner, The crowd can go nuts you know and the Laker crowd is really good because the team hasn't been good you know we were staying in uh, downtown just five hundred yards from from the arena for the Rose Bowl and I, I when I'm on the road like that, I tend to lose track of what's going on. Mm-hmm. I'm focused on. Yep. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm out, uh, and you can just see thousands of people flocking. And it dawned on me: oh, Lakers got a home game tonight.
0: Yeah.
5: <laughs> right. <laughs> it, that explains it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like the prior night, it, not that it was empty, but you didn't see all these people out walking. And then that, and then you see all these people walking, and then you see four or five people. That catch your eye and they're wearing Laker gear and it dawns on you, all right, they're doing what thousands of people are doing and they're going to the Laker game and it's still a hot ticket. LeBron's a premier player and he's at least uh, progressing toward the end. His game is still very good obviously. So, you know, who wouldn't want to go watch him play? It's a fun thing. So you get people all excited and they get a little momentum. Some role players hit a few shots. Westbrook with the big dunk and all. So you, you can sort of see it under the circumstances. But, you know, you got Rudy back, and you lost the games when he was out, and then he comes back, and you have a nice victory against the Nuggets, and you're thinking, all right, yeah, this would be a nice little back-to-back two road games and come home here and get on a streak. And then they stumbled, and I was surprised. And I was irritated because, at the, you know, at this point, it's 10.30 at night. I need to be in bed, <laughs> and I'm watching this crap. So and that was bugging me on multiple levels. They started it at, you know, didn't start till 8.30 We'll look forward to that in the first round of the playoffs coming up here in a few months. But uh, a squandered opportunity. The good thing is, is there's plenty of opportunities to go. So it's not, it's not like it's a loss of anything that is something that just sort of can't get back.
0: Yes, the pain is temporary, but we're living in the moment here, and it's the Lakers. It is the Lakers. And it's easier for you and I to dismiss that than it is for a lot of Jazz fans to dismiss that. Although I think it's easier for Jazz fans to dismiss it, too, because this Laker team is going sideways. They're not great. Um, they're not awful. Right now, though. Maybe they'll get AD back and they'll take off. I, I really don't believe it, though.
6: Hmm.
0: If they hold up a trophy seen. at the end of this year, I will be it's very not about, surprised. Yeah, but it's not about
5: holding up a trophy. It's about if you, if you get them in the first round and they beat you.
0: That could happen. I do yeah. think that get, of, of all the teams in the, in the bottom half of the league, probably uh, the Mavericks and the Lakers are the two I can see winning first-round playoff series. I don't think the Clippers are getting Kawhi Leonard back. Somebody else might come back uh, based on the timeline of when he had the injury, but I just don't think he's going to push the envelope because he's not a guy who's pushed the envelope on his health and, and playing and rushing back. So I, I expect we don't see him until next year. And without that...
5: Yeah, I'd be concerned about Denver. I think you're overlooking Denver, too.
0: Yeah, I have a hard time seeing Murray come back, too.
5: Well, we're Talking about he's coming back. I know. I just I know. read something where they – well, you know, you read a whole bunch of stuff. You yep. can't remember where you read it. But right. I did read something that said, you know, Murray and Porter are possibilities for this season. And if there's enough time for them to get ready uh, – you, you know
0: That's a lot of talent if they have those guys. Y- you're if you're they talking have those about guys, a series. You're not talking about four series. Four series. Yeah, that's true. Those guys have been out a long time, though, so we'll see. the The other two, the other two, would worry me more. I think the Although, Jazz,
5: as far as catching Phoenix, is history. <laughs> yeah. But I still think there's a possibility
0: of the two seed. Yes, I agree. Uh, the the Warriors are having problems staying healthy and getting healthy. Draymond Green, it's a soreness in his left calf, and the latest report says it's tied to the involvement of a disc in his lower back. I don't think of the calf as a long-term problem. I always think of a lower back as a long-term problem. That just seems... Disc problems are bad ideas to deal with. There you go. Yeah, so, it
5: seems like there's a long connection to go from a calf to a back. I know. It seems like you got to go through a lot of issues
0: to get to that point well you got to go through the hip (laughs) bone to the knee bone to the leg bone the endings all that
2: jazz yeah
5: yeah so i would prefer one or the other but you you hear of people you know i mean this is extreme they've got something in their neck and all of a sudden they don't feel anything all the way down the left side of their body whatever it might be that sounds very dangerous
0: All right, we talked a lot of jazz and a lot of NBA this morning. For those of you just joining the show, we also talked NFL playoffs. We had Jason Colon, a longtime NFL reporter and NFL Hall of Fame selector. The games this weekend, some of them very predictable. The two seeds blew out the seven seeds. uh, But the shocker, I think, was watching the third seeded Bills never have a fourth down against the Patriots. I don't know if you can say it was a perfect game because maybe they botched some play on second down, so then they had a third down. But when you never have a fourth down, you have no turnovers, you have no punts, you have no field goal attempts, you literally score a touchdown every time you get the ball. It's close enough to perfect for me.
5: Is it just me or when we have Jason Cole on, I better make sure I ask a good question. Oh, yeah. If you don't, he's
0: just going to. He's slapping a face. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he does not suffer fools.
2: His his Twitter bio, if you go read it, says, does, like, essentially, I don't suffer fools. He says, I'm exceedingly blunt, I think is what the term he uses. Is he from Jersey? I, I Florida,
8: I
5: believe.
0: Oh, Florida. Uh, He's an he, East Coast
5: guy, though. He makes me nervous, man. <laughs> Got to make sure I... I like it, though. It's different. Yeah, I know. It's just that because we don't have a team... I don't have the intricate knowledge of the NFL that he has because that is his work life. Yes. You know, you can ask me anything about the Jazz, and I can have a strong opinion. And the Utes and the Cougars also... Uh, you know, because this is what we do. This is what we focus on. I don't focus on Tennessee's offensive line, whereas he can just—he does. Right? If I say, "Man, Tennessee's offensive line," I don't know, and he's like lock with the Jazz. He's got eighty-seven <laughs> stats that'll just make you look like a fool.
0: I think. Uh, I think with Tennessee, it just comes down to Derek Henry comes back. What version of Henry are they getting? If if he's at fifty percent, Cincinnati can win that game. If he's at 100%, the Titans can win the Super Bowl. Tell me how good he is.
5: I don't know that they can. If he's 100%? I would disagree with that. Really? Yeah. I mean, you just can't rely on a running game exclusively, not No, but it sets up
0: their passing game. Tannehill is a classic B, B-plus quarterback, but you let him go off the play-action passing game, he's a veteran, He'll, he'll hurt you.
5: See, that's the thing with Jason Cole, I never make any definitive definitive statement. Yeah, stick with the questions.
0: Being, hey, what do you think? Yeah, <laughs> and then, for fear of being wrong. <laughs> Well, I've been wrong about teams and what they can do. I don't feel like they're a guarantee, but I feel like they've got a, a legit chance. But if Henry well, they ought to, they're the number one seed. I agree. That's, That's why I'm almost, surprised you're,
5: disappointed. you're you're almost downgrading them by saying they've got a legitimate chance. It should be no. I just said that I don't think you can rely exclusively on a run game they to get don't. you to the Super Bowl. I didn't say Tennessee couldn't get you to the Super Bowl.
0: You can't. Exclu- uh, you cannot rely exclusively on a run game. If you rely exclusively on a run game, the team that comes closest to that in these playoffs was Philly, and they got sent home immediately, as everyone expected them to. They had a quarterback who threw for the fewest yards of all the quarterbacks in the playoffs. Even Roethlisberger threw for more yards than Hertz. That hurts to say. <laughs> <laughs> You got a favorite game going this uh, going in this week? Rams Bucks Ram- is very intriguing, but I got to say, Bills Chiefs is the game, and Rams Bucks is a good matchup. But Bills Chiefs totally has me.
5: This is the NFL playoffs, so there's massive storylines in every single game from yep. here on out. True story. I mean, you name it, and you can come up with ten things.
0: Green Bay uh, over San Francisco is that the biggest? lock if you go confidence points one two three four and all that would that would that be your four point game your biggest game of the week your yeah, biggest lock
5: potentially I can see where you're going with that and I've always aaron Rodgers is my favorite player in the, in the NFL so I like watching him play so just the fact that he's playing and and what's he going to come up with you know what What's going to get under his skin that I don't even know about? And what's he going to do? And, you know, is he going to get the last laugh through all the drama in the offseason? Uh, it would sort of entertain me to an extent if he wins Super Bowl this year. And then what is he? Does he up the ante next year with the offseason drama? And, and you know, where he's going with this or that? And, and who knows? So the more Aaron Rodgers... The more storyline there is, yeah, and that's always a good thing for me. But I got. Plus he's
0: wildly talented. Yeah, right. I got to ask this weekend. Yeah, you you could put up more with more drama when there's more talent, and you will with him. I got to ask this weekend. Well, what are the what are the Packers going to do a quarterback next year? Aaron Mm. Rodgers yes thank you thank you I don't see how he can leave he can't find a better situation and they can't find a better quarterback so to whatever degree they irritate each other they just need to roll with it yeah he sort of reminds me of Carl Malone with his nonsense
2: and his stance recently about re-upping is he does seem to soften right Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think the same thing
0: but you never know Because P.K.'s point, you can always find something. All right, DJ and P.K., when we come back, your feedback next. Stay with us.
9: And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere.
0: Feedback of the day is brought to you by Thrive Appliance. Every day is like a holiday sale at Thrive Appliance. Save 40 to 70% off name brand appliances. Thrive is receiving truckloads of new inventory every day. Visit thriveappliance.com to shop their updated inventory. We got we got a lot of comments here. We got people commenting on the jazz game, PK. Of course. Grandpa always said a dunk and a layup had a higher percentage. <laughs> Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I immediately see peach back peach peach baskets, dirt courts, outdoors under the trees, and overalls. Yeah, you should make most of your
5: dunks and most of your layups, that's for sure.
0: He said they played well defensively. Watch, his, watch Royce's defense on Westbrook that led to the dunk on Rudy. Absolute garbage. Donovan is full of it. Jazz fans are angry this morning. We're going to single out one single play. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> absolute garbage. You stay in front of Russell Westbrook.
5: Yeah, that, that's the great thing about it, though, is that somebody cares enough to say that that's absolute garbage.
0: Yes, absolutely. If I owned the team, I'd want to hear that kind of passion. They are all in. Yeah. As opposed to the shrug of the shoulders and walk away. Right, like any Sacramento fan. (laughs) All right, so we were discussing injuries. Arizona lost a player for the Utah game because somebody was horsing around at the pregame meal. (laughs) When horsing around is as specific as you want to get, then something is up, and it's a good story.
5: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what can happen in a pregame meal that you could end up being injured and can't play.
0: Devin says, uh, back during the 2014 Winter Games, I tried to do a triple sal count in the living room. I rolled my foot really bad. I heard an audible crunch as I landed, and I limped for two weeks. Go, USA. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good story, Devin. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Did you ever do anything stupid to get hurt? And Jason says, yeah, thinking that high school girlfriend was forever. <laughs> Oh, that type of hurt. Yeah, see? Jason went in a different direction there. Gotcha. And David says, that's too real, Jason. Too real. Guys with the high school heartache, what are you going to do?
5: Yeah, well, the heart is meant to be broken.
0: (laughs) It's part of life. Uh, oh, and here's one more on the uh, on the Jazz. Josh says, let's see. The Lakers have their best win of the year against Utah. So does Detroit and Indiana and Orlando. Uh, what a joke we have become. Ooh, a joke? A yeah, joke. That's... Yeah, that's too strong. Josh is down, way down. Who said that? Who was saying that a year ago? The Bucks. And then they win it all, as you like to point out. They're not a
5: joke. The Jazz are not a joke.
0: No, they're just not looking like as strong a stronger contender as everybody here wants. There's three months to fix that. We're about three months away from the start of the NBA playoffs. Still a long time to go. Yes. Even though we're more than halfway done now. Well, and you think you think back to a year ago, the Jazz were going through the stretch of win in 2021. Everyone's excited. And they had injuries at the end of the year and got knocked out in the second round. And I don't think you can say they played their best basketball the last six weeks of the season. They play their best basketball right now, and it didn't work out. What people would really like is for them to play their best basketball now, get to that level, and just stay at it, and just smoke people. (laughs) Or just beat the Lakers. That's always a positive. All right, DJ PK, it is time right now to bring in Andrew from Wasatch Medical Clinic. Guys, if you're struggling with ED, they get the breakthrough treatment. No pills, injections, or side effects. Andrew, welcome back.
11: Hello, Uh, that's right guys. If you are struggling with ED, if you're dreading the pill or not seeing the results you want to, or we see a lot of this lately, you just want to improve. Maybe it's not quite what it used to be, but it's not ED either. We do a lot of that with acoustic wave therapy. This technology delivers pressure waves into the blood vessels. That causes them to open up and regrow. Uh, It improves circulation enough We get rid of the ED at its core and get the blood flowing in the bedroom where you want it, when you want it.
0: And you've got both former patients telling you it works and clinical studies saying it works.
11: We really do. We've helped a lot of guys of pretty much every age, 20 to 90. We have 50 third-party clinical studies that have been performed on our technology from universities and hospitals. And those uh, clinicals basically conclude the same thing in a little different way every time. It's safe. It's effective. Uh, It's the new standard of care for ED. We kind of pioneered this technology, and I'll tell you, a couple of weeks from now, guys, what would your relationship look like if the ED were no longer an issue?
0: So for a lot of guys, it comes down to the cash, and you can save them cash.
11: That's right. If you're ready to regain your love life, you can be done with treatments before Valentine's Day. Uh, Not too early to be thinking about that. Call us now. You'll meet with our Dr. Free, uh, answer all the questions you maybe wanted to ask. He'll do a blood flow ultrasound and test the strength of your blood vessels. That's pretty cool, too. Uh, You'll get the gift that produces immediate results. And this is quite valuable. Call us today, blood work and testosterone. That's free as well.
0: And you've got a special offer, and if people want to come get it right now, call 801-901-8000. If you want that special offer, call right now, 801-901-8000. Get the discount now. Wasatch Medical Clinic, regain your love life at 801-901-8000. Andrew, thank you very much. Thanks,
14: guys. Appreciate it.